This is Harrison Boyle from your New England Free Jacks, and you're listening to the Jacks Rangers podcast. Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show, broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, up here in the Granite Outpost. Welcome to episode 42. We're calling this one, We're On to New Orleans, just like Bill Belichick said. We got to flush that loss against Toronto because there's two games left and the Jacks are trying to get home field advantage and wrapping up that number one seed within these next two games. So we got to move on, baby. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this episode here presented by Storm Along American Hard Cider. Let's get right into it. Huzzah, baby. Woo! Saddle up, Rangers. Let's ride into episode 42 here at the Jacks Rangers show presented by Storm Along American Hard Cider. We got an amazing lineup here for you this week. I got to tell you, Bozo 6 is back. Bozo had to take some time off in the previous week for the picks and the segment. He was doing some big boy stuff. Let's just say that. Then we got Colton Bennett will be up after that. He is the head analyst for the Free Jacks. Dave cannot wait to be his intern at some point. I think that's hilarious. I think they should definitely film that up there at the Mint in downtown Quincy and uh, put that on social media. I think that would be hilarious. After that, we've got the Outriders this week. Dave is at a wedding so Bozo6 is filling in for him. We're going to do the Toronto review and then the New Orleans preview and then finally we've got a very very special guest this time around. Terrell Peta will be joining us. Super excited to have him on the show. You know, we had booked this interview weeks before he had to head back down to New Zealand so we were you know happy to finally get him on the show what a great kid super nice behind the scenes one of my favorite players he's been interactive uh, with us on social media since the very beginning since he was signed and you know just one one of my favorite free jacks of all time just because he's such a he's got such a big heart and um I'm, I'm so glad that he's back with us and i hope that he continues to be with us throughout the years here at the free jacks he's such a a really really nice kid really enjoyed talking to him for sure so yeah that is the lineup guys wanted to talk about storm along America. American Hard Cider real quick. Now, keep in mind the final two home games, uh, Storm Along will have uh, their offering of unfiltered there at Fort Quincy for $5 a piece. You can't beat that deal. What more can you ask for on a warm New England day unfiltered variety? So just wanted to mention here, use promo code TJRS for 10% off your first online order at their website, stormalong.com. Get their cider delivered right to your door or check their locator to find locations where you can find storm along near you respect the apple is their motto and their ciders are always made with 100 high quality fresh pressed locally sourced apples from orchards across new england okay let's uh, get right into the episode here of course at the end i will come back and close up shop but the first one up here is bozo sick rapid reactions and picks huzzah woo Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined by Chris Bozo Lind. Bozo, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, Phil. We took a week off from my picks. I apologize to everybody. Uh, if you enjoy my picks, uh, had to take the week off. Had had some funny business going on last week and uh, needed to be by my phone and couldn't take the time to do this. So my bad. Oh. 
it all turned out good in the end there. Uh, so no worries about that. Uh, let's talk about this week, though. Um, let me get that going for us. Whoop. There we go. Uh, let's see here. Sharing my screen right now. There yeah, we yeah. go. All right. So what we are looking at are the results from this past week, round 16. We will start with uh, New Jersey playing terribly at home there in Hoboken against Atlanta. Yeah, I'm surprisingly and happily shocked by this one. I picked New York to beat them down. Um, Atlanta's been on a huge skid. And then you have um, Milner Scudder in and Naholo was playing. And I, I just thought New York was going to run rampant on them. I have no idea what happened. Three former All Blacks in the lineup could not save the semifinalists. And they got spanked, man. It was a beatdown. It was bad. Red card after like 15 minutes didn't help them, but happy to see the result. They have no points on the table. And since they're the closest competition for our free jacks, happy to see it. Yeah, you, you got to feel good about them dipping in form right now as the weeks progress and we're getting closer to the playoffs. All right, the next one is Utah Warriors at home, 22 to 8 against the Jabronis. This was a very big surprise to most people. Yeah, you know, I picked the Jabronis because I thought, you know, being number one in the West, I thought they just mm -hmm. had a little bit too much class for the Warriors. Um, the Warriors even posted on their own social media. They said uh, one of their players had made a comment. They're like, you know, we're kind of clicking too late. Like it's too little, too late, I think mm -hmm. was the quote. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on, Phil. They, they've skinned a lot of the top teams in the league now. Uh, they, right. They've beaten the Giltinis. Now they've beaten the Jabronis. Um, they, who else? They beat Atlanta. I mean, it's crazy when this Utah team shows up, mm -hmm. they're very tough. And and thank God for everyone else in the West that they can't make the playoffs. Cause I feel like, especially right. the form that they've hit, they could cause some serious problems. So this for was a surprise. Sure. This I'm 0-2 right now on, on the record here. <laughs> so, well, yeah. the, the next one here is something that nobody really got wrong. I don't think. Uh, so this was no. the Dallas Jackals at home, getting their butt whooped once again, 12 to 30, or excuse me, 56 against the Gilweenies. Yeah. Well, technically the Giltinis lost this one. And I only say that because they didn't break a new scoring record. Mm -hmm. um, no, it was actually quite strange. It was 7-7 at halftime. A weird match of rugby. I don't know what the hell was going on in this one. Excuse my H-E double hockey sticks on this one. But, <laughs> man, I was really scratching my hairless head on at halftime on this one. I'm like, it's really 7-7 seven seven right now? <laughs> like, would you guys show up drunk? I don't, oh I don't understand. You know, yeah. hey, all respect to the Jackals, but, man, sure. I didn't – it shouldn't have been seven, seven at halftime. So. Yeah. That's a, that's an odd scoreline to, to go into the halftime, but obviously the Gilweenies figured something out and were able to, yeah. to come out victorious there um, sure. as everybody anticipated. So moving yeah. right along here, we've got new Orleans gold at the gold mine, dropping a big, big time game against um, San Diego Legion. Now, obviously Nola gold having very little to play for, but you would expect them to have a better showing um, at home, but lo losing by 30 points. Yeah, home field hangover. You know, they got their first home win last week and, mm -hmm. and they just came out here and laid a dud. I kind of wish that it was for us next week or, or this upcoming week in round 17. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by the outcome. I picked the San Diego Legion to go in there and win at the gold mine. Obviously, as we previously, previously said, mm -hmm. Noah has struggled at home and on the road and pretty yep. much everywhere. Um, good for San Diego. They've, you know, I think it's more exciting for the league because man, that third spot out West, it's heating up, dude. I mean, mm -hmm. it's as hot as it can get. It's white hot. It's all the play for right till the end. So that's what we wanted and forget yeah. about Nola gold. They stink. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and also we've got uh, Old Glory DC, the frauds that they are. 42. This is a surprising scoreline, in my opinion. They put up quite a fight against uh, Houston Sabercats, who were trying to secure the third spot, spot in the playoffs in the Western Conference. They had 59. So uh, win yeah. for Houston. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's actually the most points scored overall in an MLR game. This one was an exciting one, man. It was a tri-fest. And you know what? Uh, I mean, hey, credit to Houston. They just had a little bit more. They struck a little bit more. Uh, DC just didn't have the gas. Really impressed by DC's turnaround. Um, I, you know, they've lost, they lost in their losing streak at the beginning of the season. They lost a couple of close ones, which I felt could have gone their way. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a kind of a season that's got away from them, but I think that they're a respectable team despite their record because they've played a a couple people close and stand by for my picks. Okay. I I like our red, white, and blue brothers next week. I think. Okay. Uh, Nobody playing defense in that game, obviously though, with the fixture there. Um, uh, So final game here, this was the first game of round 16. The Toronto Arrows springing a big-time upset and ending our New England Free, Free Jacks win streak, uh, 33-18 to 18 up there in Canada. Yeah, we'll go over this later in the show, Phil. Um, uh, just a tough one, man. Everyone's got to lay a stinker. But now that, the, now that round 16 is over and in the books, at least we didn't lay a 38-3 to three stinker. That's true. Uh, yep. That's all I have to say about that one. Exactly. So at least we scored a try. Yeah, so, or absolutely. Two. You know, yeah, at bummer. least we didn't look as bad as New Jersey did. It, uh, yeah, home, three and so. three this round. Uh, not my best picks around, but but when I really look back at this round and, and my picks, it's like who would have thought the top team in the West, the top team in the East, mm-hmm. and the you know, and the second place team in the East all would have lost this weekend. A lot of underdogs won this weekend. Yeah. If you look up and down this this uh, round sixteen, so that's that's for interesting sure. to think about for sure. Yeah. Speaking Let's of storm right along here, storm right along and move over to round 16. Speaking of storm along, uh, I have my red skies at night. I know that you have your mass appeal. That's right. I got it right here. Two very good it. offerings from our buddies there at storm along. Absolutely killing it Hell in yeah. the American hard cider realm, of course. All right. Um, so the first game here on round 20. I don't know. I said round 27, round 17, <laughs> Seattle Seawolves at home against the Houston Sabercats. Big, big game here for, for both teams, really. But Houston, especially trying to punch their ticket. Huge game. All mm-hmm. to play for. Um, yep. Seattle needs to win this one. Houston needs to win this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back the Seawolves because they're at home. It's a tough trip for anybody to get up there to what is it? Yeah, Tuckwilla. <laughs> starfire yeah. sports complex it's tough one to, to go up that's a tough travel for anybody um i just think that seattle has also hit some pretty good form as of late mm-hmm. they dropped a tough one in new jersey but i think that they're ready to rock and roll and i believe coming off the bye week yeah so yes i think they take down the saber cats yep at home too much very good uh the next one is uh atlanta at home against the toronto arrows who you got you know Another another big time match because this one really is for third place in the East um, because rugby ATL hit that skid. I don't know actually where the points flip out if they actually secured their playoff spot with the bonus point win over um, over New Jersey. They may have I'm not not quite sure, but, you know, Toronto will be chippy and, and keen to take one off They're They're playing. Um, they're playing high risk, high reward rugby right now. The Toronto Arrows, they've mm-hmm. gotten some injury returns, um, but. They're at Silverbacks Park. I'm going to back the home team mm-hmm. in the Fire and Ice Bowl, the former uh, roommates, if we will, That's here. Right. The roommate, the battle of the roommates. <laughs> so, got, and you know what? USA, 
you <laughs> right say. yeah we'll get that one going absolutely yeah. yeah i feel good about atlanta at home winning this game uh yep. showing really good form against uh against uh, new york or excuse me new jersey how dare i um they're in hoboken <laughs> so yeah i expect them to continue that run um utah warriors at home against the la gill weenies yeah, Utah skinned them earlier this season to the surprise of many, but it was still early enough in the season, so we didn't really know who Utah were or L.A. was. We, you know, we were there was huge question marks uh, the first time that L.A. when these teams played, L.A. dropped the game. Uh, there, there are going into Utah. L.A.'s form has been kind of hit and miss. They're coming off a loss to San Diego. No, a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Can't even remember. Anyways take the weenies in this one because i think they want to steal i like i told you they're marching for that number one spot and i think they're going to steal it at the death uh from the jabronis uh speaking of the jabronis they are at home against san diego legion who you got in this one yeah i'm going to take san diego legion here's why i think they have more to play for austin has secured their their playoff spot their form has slipped i don't think that they're i mean i don't think that they're playing that great but this is another thing too this league there's been so many weird performances. Teams have been inconsistent at, at times, and it's very difficult to predict the inconsistency because mm-hmm. I could also see the jabronis blowing these guys out because right. San Diego has also been wildly inconsistent. Yep, but if the true. San Diego Legion shows up that, that showed up this past week, I think San Diego will take the win. So that's what I'm picking. I'm going Legion. All right. Uh, then we got Old Glory DC at home in Leesburg, Virginia against New, New Jersey. Who you got? Yeah, short road trip for the semifinalists, but mm-hmm. let me tell you something. They're going to go to an empty house down there at Segra Field, right. and uh, they're going to get their butts beat. Oh, OG, DC, wow. going to take them down. I think they found their form, and just like we were talking about, uh, we've, we've said it many times before, teams like NOLA and DC, they're just looking for performances to hang their hat on. They want to end their season on a positive note. What better way to than just beat three former All Blacks and send them back and they pushed them to the limit in Hoboken like a month or so ago. Yep. I think that they get over the hump and OG DC takes the dub. Uh, I, I dislike both of these teams, but I dislike New Jersey more. So yeah, I, <laughs> that would be a great win. Um, just yeah. to, you know, DC playing no, for nothing other than, you know, trying to impress this possible new head coach, uh, interim coach right now, uh, Nate Osborne. So yeah, yeah. that would be a great uh, result. Now, sure. um, the last one of the weekend, it feels like there's so many games this upcoming weekend. We've got round mm. 17, the final game on Sunday night at 630 on FS1, the big show there. Um, yeah. Our New England Free Jacks at home at Fort Quincy, where they have never lost a game against New Orleans, who has beaten the Free Jacks at home. However, that was at Fort Quincy. Who you got? Mm. Yeah. Quick little disclaimer. This round the previous round and this round set up perfectly for our picks where they were, we went, we worked back to front last one and we were the front and now we're working front to back on this one. And now we're on the that. back end. So quick little, uh, that's that, that bodes well for us. I think. Yes. Um, listen, this one's a, obviously I'm picking the free Jacks. We're the best team in the league. I don't think that it's going to sit well, the performance that they put out on the field. I don't think that that's going to sit well with the coaching staff. I don't think it's going to sit well with the players. And I think that unfortunately for Nola, they're going to get it taken out on them. Because we yes. don't get to well, right now, as of right now, we don't get to see Toronto again until mm-hmm. next season. And so they're just the next ones up. And so they're in our way. I am concerned though, because 
NOLA did push us to the limit the last time, and they played very well when they came up to see us about a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was weird. We jumped all over them, thought it was going to be a blowout win, and then all of a sudden they were back. So I just think that score early, score off, and blow them away. See you, NOLA. Love it. I, I, I can't disagree with that. You know, after the Free Jacks uh, did not play well up in Toronto, they have uh, a long amount of rest this time around because they played on Thursday. They have to play on Sunday the next week. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel good about that. I'm not going to give my prediction away in this segment, but, yeah, I feel good about that pick for did sure. Did you catch their social media? They were up on the up <laughs> on the deck out there watching a game at Fenway. The boys seemed relaxed, smiles on the faces. Sure did. Hey, everyone's entitled to a stinker. We had mm -hmm. ours. Yep. You just got to yeah. flush it, man. Yeah, for That's sure. It. Yep. Yeah. All right. And with that being said, we are exiting this particular segment and moving forward with the next one. So I've got one word for everybody out there. Kids, make sure you're saying at home. And three, two, one, huzzah. huzzah. Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I'm joined as always with Dave McVeigh. But we got a very special guest this time around. This is really take two for this interview. We've got Colton Bennett here, who we had uh, during a live stream at the State of the Free Jacks event, and the audio was just not very good, and the video froze. So hopefully we'll have some better luck this time around. Colton, how the hell are you? I'm very good. I'm pumped to be on once again, and uh, yeah, excited to talk to you guys. Perfect. On. So tell the Rangers out there where you're from. Yeah. So I'm uh, straight out of Canada, <laughs> born and raised, uh, say Montreal. That's uh, it's a running joke in the free jacks. I say, I told um, the team manager intern uh, wheels who was on uh, a while back. Yep. And uh, I told him or message got passed through that I'm from Montreal, but he heard one tree hill. So when I got there, uh, had the, we all have boiler suits, and it says, yes. what's here from? And mine says, One Tree Hill, and I didn't get it. I walked in, he's like, this is where you're from. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> very uh, good, very good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to call me One Tree Hill just because just of that reason, but from Montreal. Was wow. Sure. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I think I knew that you were from uh, Montreal, but maybe it just didn't connect to me, perhaps. Um, because I, I don't know, I've been there many times and I just, you don't, you don't come across as a Montreal guy. You know what I mean? What, what's that about? Yeah. Well, so I'm actually like, I'm actually from like, we'll say uh, an hour away from a farm town, super okay. farm town. So I'm not even that great at like, like I can't even speak French that well. I, I right. like a beginner, maybe to intermediate if, I, if I'm uh, complimenting myself, but uh, no. And um, I don't know, how, does, how would you describe Montreal? I want to hear your, your take on it. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, it's like, it's strange. It's like, it's a European ish city, three hours away from, uh, you know, New Hampshire, but at the same time, the people there are very snobby. Um, at least the ones that I've come across, but, uh, it could be my accent and me wearing my USA rugby stuff every time I go up there. Right. So that definitely doesn't help. Um, but that, that's my impression. That's good. Yeah. we got a little mix of I guess we got some snobs, but we also got kind of more the hippie, hippie type of, um, mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it really. I won't dig myself in a hole, but yeah, I know <laughs> like that. Uh, open everything and um, yeah, I'll just, I'll stop it there. But no, we got a range of people. That's, <laughs> there's, there's some snobs in there though. I, I yeah, it's a good place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed every time I've been there. I've been there multiple times. Um, but let's talk about your origin with rugby. Uh, what's your origin story? Yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah, I can say I'm from that small country town an hour away from Montreal. Um, there's a Welsh family who moved down when I was maybe seven or eight. And mm -hmm. right away, he started up this 
rugby club and he just he was like he was our maybe a, a house to two over so he was our neighbor and he just came knocking on the door and said hey i'm starting up a rugby club do your kids want to join in and we we're like hell yeah and uh just went did that just some uh, pr got to different houses got tons of people to come and join and yeah i was hooked on it our first practice uh yeah so i started when i was eight played um played club in all elementary played club in high school played for a high school team then uh i went to so we have pre-university so we call it CJEP, so we call that college so i did three years playing college rugby great time um and then went to university which i graduated this uh december and okay. yeah played uh university rugby there i played for like a few years i dealt with injury and stuff and um last or ended my last season there we came short to make it to the finals but it was a uh, it was a good season I had a great time and now i'm just kind of feeling a little head injury so i'm going to take a little break from rugby and figure that stuff out and then we'll see what's going to happen maybe next couple of years see what my head's doing and then make a little decision but well right on uh, it's awesome that you played collegiate rugby up there i, I played obviously at south carolina as well I'll talk about that quite a bit they just had a very successful sevens campaign finished in the quarterfinals of uh usa rugby's competition so very happy with those guys um let's talk about uh what is your official title with the free jacks and how did you end up with the organization how did that come together yeah awesome so i'll start how i got there first um right after I graduated. So I was uh, pretty involved with doing kind of, well, say my, my official title is performance analyst or uh, kind of switches all the time, but I just stick to that one, performance analyst, I like that one. Um, but yeah, at my university, I was kind of doing some analysis work and interning there and stuff. So I got kind of into it. And I was like, oh wow, I could actually potentially do this outside of school and stuff. So mm-hmm. I looked into MLR and I was like, imagine how cool it would be to work for any of these teams and uh right. I applied to uh well I reached out on LinkedIn and stuff to Thomas Kindly for pre jacks and also um something from LA. So I was kind of like to the LA or anything. Oh, I would not mind going to LA but also <laughs> I love Boston. I came here before and I was like how cool would it be to live here and be like such a great sports city that it is. So I got lucky he uh reached back and said yeah we can have you down as like an intern and um came down here, set me up a place to stay and then I just had to just kind of get involved with the team and start helping out. And I got promoted halfway, or I guess around like the fifth or sixth game, we played Atlanta and I got promoted to the, I'd say head analyst, but it's, uh, just take whatever title, whatever it is. So yeah. pretty, got pretty fortunate to uh, land that role. Well, congratulations on the promotion. I'm glad that you're with us and not LA because I notoriously hate LA. And Dave's a, a secret fan of the uh, LA Gilweenies, but not me. Um, what is your impressions of MLR overall? Oh, wow. So, so cool. Just the, like, so when I first started, I was actually in West Coast Canada. I was doing an internship with Rugby Canada, and that's when it kind of started off. So I got to watch it grow from there over my years playing or being in Canada and just going through school, just to know how cool it would be to be involved in MLR in any way, mm-hmm. uh, playing in our work, and that'd be unreal. But uh, just watching it grow and now actually coming into MLR, just seeing how developed it's become for the last few years. and the talent that's coming into it, the possibilities that like, players are getting out of it, you know, like they come to MLR and can showcase them showing up who they are and potentially go to other teams in Europe and crazy teams like that, or even just players from over there are coming to us and it's just kind of, yeah, it's building up the, the league and uh, it's, it's exciting. So I think that's the, the key word is exciting. So happy to be a part of it. 
I agree. You know, it, it's 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 cool to see each year it keeps getting better and better with the competition. You know, on the field, obviously, and also off the field, the improvements and stuff like that that they're bringing to the league. Um, what is the day in the life of Colton Bennett, Free Jacks employee? What do you do on a daily basis for the team? What does that look like? Yeah, good question. Um, say like we start off um, just doing like maybe a meeting in the morning. Just going over how the week's been or how the weekend's been and stuff. How we how we handle within or how how, how we handle with the outcome of our game. Say that be home. Um, yeah, and after that, just start um, scouting the opposite opposite uh, scouting the team we're gonna be playing against the next weekend and the weekend after. Trying to stay okay. stay uh, on top of all that stuff. But uh, yeah, just seeing who we're playing, um, getting the stats from them, getting some clips for them to send to the coaches. And then uh, just have a few more meetings just with the whole team. So I'll like be part of those, just see what the coaches are saying. Like, how did we do in our games? I've just any sort of knowledge to take in from them. Like, they're so, they're so smart. So when they're having meetings and just saying, we did this well, we did, didn't do this well, it's all or know that stuff. And uh, see if, I don't know if I could do that in my work. But um, yeah, so meetings, um, the off scout, they call it, and then more meetings. And then we go practice. I get the little drone and I, fly that over and uh, film everything and then clip that up after practice and put it on huddle so the coaches and the players can go through it and just see how they're doing, how they're doing collectively and stuff. And then uh, just do some more off scout or just kind of go over everything, make sure everything's well organized in my own, my own spare time. And uh, if coaches, I feel like I'm on call because if coaches need something, they'll just tell me whenever and then I just got to do whatever it is. If they need a video or any, whatever they need, it's just, they ask me and I give it to them. So it's right. Yeah, it could be, it's kind of random all the time, so I don't have a go. I think Dave, I think Dave would love, uh, you know, working in your department. I mean, I just have that hunch. I know Dave's one of those. Type I, want, of I want to like come shadow you, <laughs> just follow you around at work. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll send TK the email. I want to be Colton's intern. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Think of that for next year as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this season has started off so well uh, around for the Jacks. Uh, what's been your favorite memory so far um, with this season? Promotion. Uh, so I think I got that just before the Atlanta game, and uh, I was actually supposed to go home that weekend to go see my family and stuff. And uh, it's usually just kind of have one person going down in the analyst role. And uh, so yeah, they, they call me up. They say, "Hey, you got the the role." So you're coming to Atlanta. It wasn't really a question. He said, you're coming to Atlanta. I was like, that's awesome. Like, wow. Go travel over there. So go to travel with the team anywhere. That would be my first one. So, yeah, I went with them. We had a great, great weekend. Came away with a win. And, uh, man, that was probably one of the best times this season for me. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I think uh, breaking the curse or, you know, making the, the record of most wins in a row. Was yes. Just, it still hasn't hit me yet. You know, it's, we're just every week's going by pretty quickly. So it's slowly catching up to me. It's like, wow, we're actually setting like a, uh, a record. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a magical run that the Free Jacks are on right now. You know, we hope it doesn't end, but obviously streaks do come to an end at some point. Hopefully not against the Toronto Arrows this weekend. Now this episode, or excuse me, this interview will be out the following week. But just for fun, I mean, I know you're a Canadian guy, right? I'm going to be up there in Toronto watching this game. Uh, do you have any loyalty with the, the only Canadian team or what's your approach with that sort of stuff? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I remember I, I reached out to them a while back to try to do like moonship with them and got no response. And okay. With that, so. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> go He's 100% guys. free Jack guys. <laughs> <laughs>
I have a follow-up question on that though. What? Where's your NHL allegiance lie? Ah, are you uh, any one. Canadian Cup is a good cup kind of guy? Like, what are you? What are you thinking? Uh, I don't think I should answer that. To be honest, <laughs> he's a Canadiens fan. That that's what that's what really what he means. Hey, yeah, I, I I can't say that around here because Bruins, man, they just rip into me. I said a few times, they right away get on me. I'm like, I'm just not. Even, I don't I don't support anybody now. <laughs> yeah, Bo- Boston rivalries have a certain heat that just never yes. goes away. Like you get right to that level mm-hmm. as soon as as soon as it comes up. So one of our physio, our athletic trainer, uh, Mike Guadapane, he's hardcore Boston fan. As soon as I told him about the Canadians, he was the first guy to kind of open my eyes to how strong fans are. How yeah. well are. So I was like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, Canadians fans were, were my short answer. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it makes sense. You, you're from an hour outside of Montreal. I mean, we can't hate him for that, guys. Like if he was from like Nova Scotia and was a Canadians fan, be like, oh, screw this guy or whatever. Um, what's uh, been your favorite and least favorite thing about living in New England? I imagine part of it is Boston Bruins fans finding out that you're a Canadians fan. Yeah, I guess we have to add that to it. <laughs> favorite thing? Wow. Um, I think, uh, yeah, when our thing cut out last time, I think we're sticking with it where uh, Boston just a, such a great sports city. Like yes. we went to uh, the Red Sox game, the Bruins game. Would have loved to gone to the Celtics. They're making a uh, finals out, eh? So. You never know. Get lucky and go get scalp a ticket or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but wow, fans are crazy here. It's just so so much fun to be part of the atmosphere. So definitely how much of a sports city it is. And uh, love the ocean. We don't have not too close to the ocean up in uh, Quebec. Mm-hmm. Pretty cold up there. Even though the ocean may be cold down here, it's just really cool to be near it. Anywhere near at all is unreal. Yeah. Um, least favorite. I think I, I said this last time as well. I'm still gonna stick with it again. The Boston driving. I'm yes. not a fan. I, the honking, the aggressiveness is just I'm so not used to it. I'm so not used to it, but uh, I'll have to get used to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's pretty awful trying to adjust. You know, I'm from uh, the Charlotte area, which is in North Carolina. Um, and like, I always always tell my family, like, as soon as you hit the Massachusetts border, make sure you're, it's like you're going racing, NASCAR racing, because these people just fly. If you're going the speed limit, they're going 20 over passing you. It's wild. It's wild. You gotta be yeah. careful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mind you a couple of times before I actually go out one of the I'm, I'm going to let Dave take over from here, but I appreciate your time. Thank you. Awesome. Um, happy to be talking to you again. Uh, even if only nobody could really hear, we had a great conversation. We had a we had the handshake thing going with the pinchy. You know, it was a good time. Um, so I was re- I'm really looking forward to to doing this. I was excited that we could get back to it so quickly. Um, you I you piqued my interest when you talked about doing opposition scouting. Um, so what sort of stuff are you doing? Looking at. Um, like, where do you start? Do you just watch a game start to finish? Do you just go, I'm going to look at lineouts first. Like, let me go clip up some lineouts. You know, how how do you get started on it? And what does it take for something to catch your eye to, you know, clip and send to the coaches? Yeah, good question. Um, so, actually, coaches give me, tell me exactly what they want. So, let's say, or just break it down. Yeah, they want to see all the lineouts, scrums, a uh, few phases after the scrum on their attack. Um, we got whether turnovers, penalties. How they do with kickoffs on their own kickoffs, um, their general play attack after specific after three phases. Mm-hmm. So they give me all that, and then I open the, the game up with three different angles uh, on a program, and then just like going through it, it takes a little bit. It takes maybe like 
two and a half, three hours, go through the whole game. But I have this little code window where every time there's a line out, every time there's the exact uh, KPIs I'm talking about, I just got to clip that. And then uh, at the very end, you'll see all that data, uh, all the collected data. So I, I'm going to put that on a spreadsheet for them to see it. And then all that stuff, like all the, like I said, the line outs, the scrums, uh, the attack, they could just click on this thing, which I send them, and it just opens up all of it for them. So it just kind of makes it easier for them just to go through it right away and they say, okay, here's you can kind of see the little outliers or you can see the yeah what's really standing out there like oh wow why is it why is this happening or you know so it's kind of it's kind of i don't know if that's an easy way to explain it or not but uh it's kind of a, a little setup yeah no that sounds that sounds really really cool um I I'm I'm over here like clicking on scroll bars in the rugby network broadcast trying to go like all right I, I wrote down the time code where that weird line out was let me go back and look at it again um, so that's you know you're on a, you're on the next level what kind of equipment are you doing that with is it just so, like straight software do you have like a video editing deck you know sort of set up or what yeah so most of the clubs most of the teams in the MLR are usually using Huddle Sports Code so. You just kind of have to, like, let's say after the game uh, or during the game, sorry, we get all the feeds from the broadcast broadcast truck and it just goes right on the sports code. And then after sport, after the feeds are done, they stop and then we save that big file. So it's usually like 20 gigabytes of all those camera angles and stuff. But uh, sorry, yeah, so it's sports code on Huddle. It's a, I think it's a pretty expensive program to be honest. Like what we could do with this quite a lot. Um, but let's say for even just like a normal, club side they could use this thing called max sports that's a uh, same thing just a little less intense a little easier version of it but uh, sorry for the specifics again but yeah it's a really cool software and um yeah it's uh wow <laughs> that's that sounds that sounds awesome and i'm sure they appreciate the uh specifics um i do too i like i like details uh more information is always better um so during the games, I mean, you just talked about it, but listeners may not have caught, like you're getting the direct feeds and you're in the box with the coaches doing the encoding during the games, right? I mean, as the game's happening, I'm coding exactly what's going on. So let's say uh, all the line of scrums, just say some easy stuff like that. And then um, just how many, like each ruck that we're going to, um, stuff like that. So as it's going on, I got to do it pretty quickly and make sure it's, it's precise, make sure it's all quality. Then after the game, I'll go over everything, make sure it's all good, and then give that to the coaches as soon as I can because they want things right away, which is uh, fair enough. And yeah. uh, now in the coach's box, a little stressful, but <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to see it from that angle, see what they're thinking, what they're, they're thinking on everything. Yeah. Stuff. Is there a lot of direction from the league um, or from Huddle in terms of like, training and making sure that those statistics that you guys are encoding since it's being done by different people you know attached to different teams um to kind of ensure the quality and like the integrity of the data that's being generated like is there a lot of direction on that? i mean a lot of it's pretty discreet but um and, and clear but i imagine there are kind of some edge cases where it can be a little bit difficult to you know how, is everybody instructed to in, encode tackles the same way where if there's you know like who did this player assist with this tackle or not i guess like to get specific just as a to offer an example to talk about question so actually so our stats like nobody would see anything that i do this is all for us and coaches but then okay 
third party, I guess. It's called Moby, and they do uh, more team general stats. And um, yeah, they're, they're, they always have little subjective codes, kind of like how they'll define a tackle or a tackle assist. Like they have their own kind of way, but they give us all that data. And, and if I really don't think it's right, then I'll just talk to them and say, hey, I don't know why you guys did this. They could give their explanation, whatever. But uh, for the coaches, like they'll check that in the general thing, but then they give me more specific and I, they go off what I'm coding for them. So it's kind of nobody else except for us. Yeah, that's got all. it. Got it. That's interesting. I'm I'm really, as you can tell, interested in how these kind of systems do and don't overlap and connect to each other and stuff. So it's um, really fascinating to me. Uh, so in a in a given week, um, you know, how many videos would you say? Just really roughly, are you throwing together for the the coaches and the teams and putting up on Huddle? Like, are we talking about a couple dozen? Are you putting a hundred videos up there a week? What? Well, so like for training and stuff, uh, there's quite a bit that goes on. Like I'll be doing all the back side of practice and all the forward side. That that, that that's probably where most of the videos kind of yeah. things like for training. So we got like two, three trainings a week, something around that. And uh, yeah, that's got I couldn't even think of numbers though, but that that's got quite a bit in it. And then yeah, for the off scale, it's it's nothing crazy. Maybe three, four, two, three, four kind of thing during the week. They usually usually take quite a bit, and those are bigger files. But yeah, training's just short but they got short little videos of the tracks even like the memes and stuff as well i just kind of put those up there too just for yeah uh, you know, <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's uh it sounds like a, a a really fulfilling uh way to contribute um you you have such a material example of all the work you're doing right there all the time really something to point at and i imagine you know that that you defining that and putting a, that level of work in is a big part of why you move from you know an intern role to a, a full analyst role during the season yeah i hope so it's uh wow it's a lot of hours put in it's yeah over, it's all good stuff some i really like so obviously worked at the end of the day but yeah it's pretty tired <laughs> <laughs> um have you uh do you have any fun moments from the coach's box or do you just try to keep your head down or are you gonna just oh, keep your head down by not answering that question is it yeah. it's got to be a very high pressure situation sometimes oh geez wow i don't think i've ever been more stressed than after game day in the coach's box uh and there's some funny moments in there, in there like obviously i'm just kind of in my corner because i want to stay away and just kind of like i'm hearing them everything they're saying and yeah i get to say some funny stuff where i just got like smile right behind my my hand just because like Kind of a little crazy, but no, it's uh, there's some good moments in there. And when we get tries, like we, they go crazy for us, so it's awesome. Obviously, I can let myself out and go wild because I'm so into the game too, so it's, I don't have to keep it down. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, any cool or, or fun or interesting stats or targets that you know you, you've found working under the coaches? Like they uh yeah i don't know i can't even come up with a dumb example but just you know something that you've learned maybe um from them i'm sure that they share a lot of wisdom i think uh from them um well i think just in general which i think first pops in my head is just the beginning of the season like first half of what we've been doing so far like it's really cool to see this data where i don't know think university regular like i don't really think of where their tries are coming from and stuff but in the first half of the season like so many of our tries just come from like turnover and like one phase like how how dominant we were at just getting tries off those are so cool. I and mean, just to see that stadium, like, oh wow, we're actually, that's something we can't do. And the other teams are like, as soon as the turnover, like, 
there's a good chance that we're going to try them, you know, like that, that's just really cool to see numbers and actually see it on the field. So that's probably the one thing that popped in my head. Awesome. Um, you're still new, uh, fairly new in your, in your first year here with your role at the free Jacks, but, um, thinking career wise, like where do you see yourself going? Um, do you like this analysis sort of lane? Um, are you interested in moving into, uh, coaching or, or consulting? Um, you know, have you, have you given a lot of thought to that? Yeah, great question. Um, so actually right after this season, I'm going to go down to New Zealand with, uh, Mike Rogers, the assistant coach, and he's going to set me up with, uh, just little meetings and stuff with the all black sevens, uh, analysts over there and the Bay of Plenty analysts or yeah, Bay of Plenty analysts, maybe the Wellington Lions just gets more, uh, like PD and stuff. And uh, so right now, my focus is just seeing what I can do with the analyst role. I'm so having a good time, just better I get at it, the easier and more fun it'll be. So, uh, so I can do with that. And I think we probably around a little bit with that. And um, now, honestly, I'm just kind of, maybe I should be prepared or plan a little ahead, but I'm just kind of going with the flow right now, see where this goes, see where this takes me, and then uh, just make sure I'm having a good time with it. So, seems like a pretty great flow to go with. So I can't, I can't fault you for that. Um, really cool set of opportunities. Do you have a favorite set, a uh, favorite match from this season? Atlanta, definitely Atlanta. Yeah. My, uh, the buddy I worked with at Rugby Canada, he, he surprised me and actually got the job there. He just didn't tell me until maybe like the week before we're heading there. And uh, yeah, it's a little competitive part. I just want to really beat them just to, to get into them about it. And the dominant oh, they were pretty dominant win. I was pretty happy with it. So first first time traveling the team, got to play against my buddy and we got a good win. Uh, awesome. Um, one question. You knew a weird one was coming. Uh, you're on a road trip. You're traveling with the boys. You know, you got a three-hour drive each way. You got to yeah. pick three players or staff that you're carpooling with. One of them is the driver. One of them's the DJ. One of them's planning the whole trip. You know, the responsible one. Who are you picking and why? Mitch Wilson, DJ. He's Seems to be killing out the DJ and all the practices and the change room and stuff, the uh, pregame and all that stuff. TK he planned it. It's just unreal at organization plan and stuff. Just choose him any day. And then I got one more spot. Who will I be taking? Uh, who's the who's your driver? Who's the driver? Yeah. Ooh, go Eagle. Eagle would be. He's, yeah, go Eagle. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Eagle be driving. Yeah. He'd fit right in in like a Burt Reynolds movie about, you know, driving across the country either for truck reasons or race reasons. It really wouldn't matter. He, you, know, he, you could cast him directly into a role there. I think he would fit in. It'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you, Colton. This has been a ton of fun. I'm going to throw it back to Phil to wrap things up. Um, but uh, really appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you more in the future. Get over for the internship. Uh, my intern soon it'll be awesome absolutely dave the intern awesome awesome love it um so you knew it was coming uh give us your best boston uh, accent for us <laughs> dang i really thought it's coming um oh wow i won't think of anything too crazy let's go uh oh i had one today too i had like a little one ready to go uh boston harbor <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's all I got. I think the Boston part was better than the Harbor part, but uh, yeah. Uh, what's my what? points then? What's out of ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah yeah keep working on it we'll we'll uh we'll have to have you report back in a couple of months and see how it's growing there um let's do a one word association this one's going to be brought to you by storm along red skies at night guys i don't think they promote this one enough they, they they definitely didn't tell me to say that but this one is absolutely delicious it is passion fruit and hibiscus tart fruit forward and tropical one of my favorites for sure all right, so I'm going to say one or two words. The first word that pops in your mind, let me know what it is, and we'll go from there. We're good, yep. Canada. Beaver. All right, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, losing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I figured you were, going to, you were going to say champions because they won so many Stanley Cups, but that's old news. That's you know that's the History Channel right there. Yeah. <laughs> Bodine Waka, legend. I agree. Josh Larson, captain. Uh, Mags. Ooh, rugby. All right. Final one is Free Jacks. Exciting. I agree, one thousand percent. Colton, this has been awesome. Anything I'll, I'll, you know, we got a little bit of time here. I, I can open up the floor. Anything that you want to talk to the Rangers directly about? Ooh, good question. Um, hmm, what's your uh, predictions for this game? This game uh, um, we have already, which one do you want to, you mean Toronto or let, let's skip. Yeah, let's skip ahead to Nola because that's on this particular episode. So I'm going to say Free Jack's going to win. I don't know the prediction yet. <laughs> no worries. For Nola, oh, yeah, actually, I want to hear you guys on that as well. Nola's looking pretty good, too. They're, uh, yeah. Obviously, just like DC. I've been versus DC. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. They're both kind of just getting better and better each game. So what do you think? Yeah. I really thought DC, I mean, after the performance yes. uh, and the physicality they brought, um, oh when they played us, I thought DC was going to not steamroll them, but I expected them to put up a much, much closer fight. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. Consistency is the hard thing, right? Like, it, it, you know, be putting together almost every team puts together one or two really good matches a season. It's, it's putting together 15, 16 of them. That's so impressive, which the free Jacks have done. So I guess it's not, not shocking that DC would, you know, turn around and then get crumpled a little bit yeah. Um, yeah. by the gold. But uh, yeah, they are they are looking good. Um, we'll see how consistent they can be. That's the big challenge, I guess. What's interesting with Nola is like you know this is a team that is very different than last year. They no longer have their head coach. Holden Younger is with us. Uh, Kyle Bailey is with Toronto. But at the same time, it's it's even been over a year at this point since this happened. But it is the only team that has ever beaten us in a home game. Uh, you know, whether it be Fort Quincy or Fort Union Point, that is in the back of my mind always. I don't know if it's in the team's mind. It seems like that would not be something that they would be thinking about per se, but there's always going to be this mystique until some other team beats us at home. Nola's the only team that has ever done it. So um, that's something that, you know, we'll definitely discuss in, in you know, later segments than this in this episode. But, uh, you know, I think that's going to play a part in at least my prediction with the score. I think it'll be closer than most people would assume. So that's that's what I'm gonna say about that. Good stuff. Oh, I love to hear that stuff. Unreal. Yeah. No, that's good for me, boys. I like to hear you guys talk about that stuff. So <laughs> wanted to get out of you. Appreciate that. All right. Well, that's gonna do it. Um, and we've got one word here, Colton, for to get all of us out of here and make sure everybody's saying it at home with us in three, two, one, huzzah! Huzzah! Woo!
Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. Dave is at a wedding this week, so we got in the next best person to jump into the seat here, and that is Bozo. Bozo, how the hell are you? Hey, I'm in off the bench. Let's go. Yeah, heck yeah. I'm so, here, coach. Yeah, he's ready to play. Uh, so from here, we're going to talk about the Toronto Review. Now, this is a game that was you know, very frustrating to watch, especially there um, at the stadium. I will say that you know, the people of Toronto, fantastic, uh, as I expected. Um, very nice people. Um, the guy that runs the MLR stats page, James, uh, I, I ran into him. We had a, we had a talk, and, and there was some, also some people there that do a podcast called La Rouge Rugby, which is a Canadian centric uh, rugby podcast. They were super cool. Um, really enjoyed my time overall in Toronto. I was actually on the team plane, or excuse me, the plane that they took to uh, Toronto. So I got to you know talk to a lot of the players, give everybody a little fist pump uh, as they were coming through the aisle there to get on the plane. So that, all of that was really cool. Really enjoyed it. Um, I will say that, you know, we've we've gone to um, New Jersey twice and then Toronto as away trips this time around, Caitlin and I, and we love this one so much uh, more. Like Toronto just has a, I don't know, super laid back there. Amazingly enough, it is, uh, if it was in the United States, it would be the third largest city, but it doesn't feel like it's that big. Obviously there's huge skyscrapers and it goes on and on forever, but it just doesn't have that like huge, Russell, like bustle and like busy type of rude people type of atmosphere, uh, like most large American cities. So that part we really enjoyed. We really enjoyed our time there. Of course, the result did not uh, go in our favor, though. So uh, that is where we will pick up um, Toronto 18, New England 33. And I'm pulling this information directly from uh, you mean you mean New England 18, Toronto 33. Oh, did I, did I, yeah, you went backwards there. Wishful it's all good. Guess, right. I'm just so used to the, <laughs> the, the other way around, I guess. Um, yeah. America's rugby news uh, is where I'm pulling the information from. What it says here is the Toronto arrows upset the league leading free jacks with a 33 to 18 win at York Lions stadium on Thursday night. New England's record-setting 10-game win streak has been brought to a screeching halt with the visitors looking lethargic against an inspired home side. I agree with that a thousand percent. Um, mm. When the actual practices were taking place, um, when we sat down uh, at our seats there, it, it's a very nice stadium, by the way, much nicer than Hoboken. But I mean, who, whose stadium isn't much, much nicer than uh, JFK Stadium there at Hoboken? Um, but we sat down and like it was just the coaches out there for the free jacks for a long period of time while the Toronto arrows warmed up and then they slowly trickled out. I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, I guess that the same thing probably happens at our home games. It actually just, does. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I get there pretty early and, and they did the same kind of thing. Coach Matthew and coach Rogers were kind of mulling around with TK mm-hmm. out yep. of the field, setting up stuff. And then the players started slowly trickling out and getting, getting screwed on. So. I just thought it was a little odd because there were so many Toronto player, uh, Toronto Arrows players already out practicing, and then the Free Jacks took a while. So it, I thought that was a little peculiar uh, at, at first. So um, it was all Free Jacks in the early going. So this was, you know, really nice to see. I thought from the first, let's say, like 10, 15 minutes, I felt like, oh, okay. 
I, we've seen this before all year long where the Free Jacks take control early and they just, you know, speed past the opposition. Sometimes, you know, we, we have to, you know, make sure that we are focused towards the end because it seems like we lose focus. But mainly it seems like a game that, for at least in the beginning, that we were going to control. Um, so John Poland landed a penalty goal just two minutes in. The pressure stayed on. Uh, when a driving mall was stopped short, Mills picked uh, and drove over for the first try. Poland missed the conversion, but knocked over a second penalty to make it 11-0. Um, so at this point, Free Jack's flying high. Obviously, Waka did not make the plane trip. I was one of the first people to, to notice that, obviously, because I was on the plane with those guys. He was out on the plane, including Jesse Peretti. Slade McDowell, who we found out has been disciplined by the league, will be out until the championship game if we make it to that point. So missing some keen players, Paula Bell and Khan did not make the trip as well. But uh, what was your initial thoughts of that 11-0 run out? Yeah, obviously, I wasn't up at the stadium uh, with you. Uh, just to kind of echo what you're saying, it was a little bit foreboding in your experience, not seeing the, the team out there warming up. Um, I had the same feeling the week prior to ATL, like ATL was screwed on. They were out there warming up, and I felt kind of weird sitting there as I, as I drank my, my storm along and I right. stared at an empty free jack side of the field. But no, through the first uh, couple of minutes here, in this match, I, I felt good. I knew Toronto was was coming to play. Like I, I figured that they were going to throw the kitchen sink at us because they've mm -hmm. got they they literally have everything to play for. And if they yep. if they lose a match, they are done. Yes. Um, so every match from here on out for them is a playoff match. If they somehow miraculously make it to the Shield final, you know they'll have been playing essentially playoff rugby since. And I and I knew I think they also need a bonus point in every match. So mm -hmm. I knew that they were and they're not really the greatest of attacking sides. Um, they've had a couple of good performances in mm -hmm. attack, but for the most part, they're kind of like a scrappy team that edges you rather than blows you off the park. Um, so no, I mean, it was exactly kind of what, of, what I expected, you know, um, 11, nothing to start the match. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this is a comfortable lead. It's more than a converted driver yeah. or in the driver's seat. Uh, Absolutely. But there was obviously a lot more rugby left to be played. Absolutely. That's true. And then this is where the tide turns, essentially. Yeah. Uh, the tide turns towards the arrows who finally got possession in Free Jack's territory. After several phases, they got within five meters of the line when Andrew Quatron, who's a very good player, uh, spotted a gap mm. at the edge of the ruck and slipped past two defenders to score. Sam Malcolm chipped over the extras for the full seven. Quatron was then vilified by the TMO. Now, this is, I'm sure, our buddy Brian Ray writing this, uh, who determined a yellow card was appropriate for a debacle chop tackle, or excuse me, a debatable chop tackle. Uh, to their credit, the Arrows shrugged off the call and earned two shots at goal while shorthanded. That's pretty impressive right there. You know, they're shorthanded, but they're able to, you know, get points on the board. That's something that you see well uh, performing teams do. Uh, Malcolm's radar was spot on, and suddenly the home side were ahead. A scrum penalty landed Malcolm, another chance for three, and once again he delivered to give his team a 16-11 advantage. New England made a late push for a score, but knocked on, turned over possession, and the arrows took their lead into halftime. Now, the knock on there is, is you know, I wanted to highlight that real quick because throughout this game, you, you would see the Free Jacks shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. It's like self-sabotaging. Self it just – I told these this to the guys afterwards, um, uh, MLR Stats, uh, James, and also the guys from La Rouge Rugby. Um, it, the, the Free Jacks just did not look sharp. And I didn't talk about their, their team at all, like, you know, doing well or anything like that. But I really wanted it to say, like, 
you know, the Free Jacks just didn't play very well. And I think that's, you know, what we started to see as the second half uh, was beginning to unfold there. But what was your overall first half uh, thoughts? Yeah, I got worried uh, once, you know, we let six, I think it was 16 unanswered. Um, that's mm-hmm. never good because um, right. that's basically kind of playing rugby like basketball where a team goes on a run and mm-hmm. or you go on a run and then you let them go on a run. I'm never, never comfortable when you let a team go on a run unanswered like that. Obviously, it was more foreshadowing of what was to come in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as a fan, I was frustrated with it. It's tough. Um, but credit to Toronto because they're, they played smart rugby. They took advantage of our aerial discipline. Instead of kicking for the corner and going for lineouts and going for tries, they stayed patient yep. um, and, and really stretched and, and, and strategized and played the full 80 minutes. Um, you actually don't see a lot of that in MLR people going for the sticks. I mean, it obviously it happens, um, but I think it's a lot more common in our league. If, if you're a fan of rugby and you watch super rugby, or if you watch mm-hmm. the premiership, you know, when a penalty's on offer and it's very kickable, even if it's at a good distance, they will almost always unquestionably take the points. Nobody's going for the sideline. Right. They just keep that scoreboard ticking over. And Sam Malcolm's got an incredible, he's an incredible goal kicker. He's very, good. very accurate. I believe he's a Kiwi. Um, he's a good, he's a great player. Um, and so that translates into pressure though, right? Cause now the free Jacks are going into the sheds. They went up 11, nothing 16 unanswered. They're playing from behind. They knocked the ball on yeah. and we'll talk more about that, but yeah, that starts to just add to the pressure. It starts to get in between the ears and that's part of a lot of the game. And so I think that the arrows um, played, played that pressure game pretty well. It worked I out agree. For yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, we didn't look sharp and stuff like that, but you have to give credit to the arrows. They definitely played up to their opposition uh, with the free Jacks having, you know, even with our depleted squad, you know, you were probably equal, if not a little bit better than they were regardless man for man uh, that we mm. trotted out there. But um, going into the second half here, Mills uh, was dispatched to the bin for a high shot on Gaston Mears uh, early in the second half. From the ensuing lineout, the ball was overthrown, but Giuseppe Dutois was on hand to regather and race through the gap to touch down between the posts for a seven-pointer. Uh, Mears went off for an HIA, but soon returned and would make his mark on the score sheet. The Arrows won a, a kickable penalty, but instead opted for the corner, You know, kind of going for the jugular there, I think, is a good way mm-hmm. to describe that. After attacking the middle, the ball was flung wide left, and Mears' arms were just long enough to ground the ball. Malcolm couldn't convert, but what was now a 28 unanswered points to the home side. Yeah. So at this, uh, yeah, really unbelievable. At this point, I think I'm just kind of staring at what's taking place, but not really the best way to describe it is just pain, you know, because so I'm Caitlin and I are the only free Jacks fans. Actually, I take that back. I think maybe Josh Larson's dad was there as well. He sat, you know, towards the middle of the pitch. I didn't hear him at all cheering, but of course I was cheering for the Free Jackson. She was as well, very loudly at times, especially very early on, right? Anything good that would happen, we would definitely ch- uh, chime in. But there was this this period right here where um, Brian Ray's talking about where I'm just watching what's happening and I'm like barely registering it. And I'm just, I'm just uh, in shock and angry at what's yeah. what I'm seeing on the pitch because, you know, it, it, to a certain extent, it's, it, it's it's sad, right? Because you yeah. know the free jacks, <laughs> the, the free jacks at this point are trying to extend this winning streak. You know, you want to see your team win. You know, you flew all this way. All of that sort of stuff is in my mind as I'm watching them just falter, uh, unfortunately. So yeah, 
Um, yeah. Well, like you were saying though before, uh, you know, like we were just talking about, the arrows seem to have a great game plan mm-hmm. of the way because. I don't know. I think coaches do this. You envision the way a match will go. You know that you're probably never going to shut out a team, that they're going to score tries, that they're going to have their moments and stuff like that. So what did they do early? They kept the scoreboard ticking over. They fought mm-hmm. back into it. Then they took the lead and yep. they get another try. And now that they've got that try buffer, they're like, okay, no more of this kicking for the sticks nonsense. Mm-hmm. We're going to, like you said, we're going to go for the jugular. We're going right. to switch gears. And when you're constantly doing that again, it's just pressurizing team pressure, pressure, pressure. And, they, and you know, not to make excuses for the boys, they're professional athletes, but yeah. it, you know, I feel like a, I'll take a little soapbox just really quickly here. The free Jacks have had, and it's by no fault of their own, but through the MLR schedule, if you will remember, we've had a couple of like head scratching moments where we've been kind of, I think, put up against it maybe more than other teams. Now, obviously I'm not a super fan of all the other teams, so I don't know. I could be completely yeah. pulling this out of my rear end, but you know, don't forget our only other loss came after a massive string of road trips right Mm -hmm. and then we had to go all the way across the country to play the weenies who are coming off the bye week so it's the same kind of thing here where we have the late game one week and then we have to go quick turnaround it's like the it's the first and only thursday night game Mm -hmm. in the entire league we couldn't bump it which is one more day (laughs) that's insane you don't you know so if you look at a thursday night game you basically get a rest day on sunday Mm -hmm. right and then you're literally like monday tuesday travel day and I don't even, you, yeah, you traveled with the team. I mean, what day was that? Uh, that was Friday, th- excuse me, Wednesday, 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 right? Yeah. So Wednesday travel day and then Thursday match day. So, you know, I don't really like that. That wasn't friendly. It's not an excuse, but it, you know, and then that's the other thing too, after a hugely physical battle with Atlanta. So yeah, yikes, <laughs> 28 no, unanswered. I was able to speech, uh, speak with a member of the coaching staff um, on the plane uh, disembarking. And, you know, I was, I just pointed out that, you know, Waka wasn't with them. And he basically said, you know, th- th- it's been a bad week of practice. I mean, I'm, I obviously I am not quoting directly or anything like that. I'm just yeah. paraphrasing what I heard Uh bad week of practice, you know, have had some in- illnesses and injury in the squad. So, um, you know, from that, I was just like, okay, it might be a tough test up here in Canada here. Yeah. Uh, and it, basically he was just saying like, you know, our depth is going to be tested or, you know, we, we have to rely on some depth here. And I was like, okay, yeah, but, but what still feeling good about, you know, because we do have a lot right. of depth on this squad that mm-hmm. are proven, uh, that proven themselves throughout the season that they are capable of stepping up to the plate for the free jacks all right um new england at last found some energy on the other side of the hydration break they went through several phrases to come up within a couple meters of the line quentin newcomer had the strength to burrow over for the try mitch wilson made it a 10 point game with the conversion so i i was slowly getting back back into the match ultimately and i felt like okay you know, we're within 10 here. I'm looking at the clock. I'm thinking, yeah, there's still plenty of time for the Free Jacks to kind of steal this one and make our way out of out of uh, the Great White North there with a win. But then, you know, the, the arrows really took over and took control and showed their class for sure and in a good form to keep uh, this game going in their favor. What it says here is the, uh, the last say would go to the arrows. An attacking scrum was on the ascendancy with an advantage. Ross... Um, Baru, I believe, broke to the right. He found Matthew Hood at pace, and the Australian mimicked the efforts of Mears with an acrobatic finish to score the bonus point try. Toronto awaits the results of Sunday's game between New York and Atlanta. Now we know who won that one. That was 
Obviously a big win for Atlanta. Should the Rattlers lose, it would be an enormous clash against the Arrows in Atlanta next Saturday. So that's going to be a huge game for Toronto with their season on the line there. On the same day, the Jacks will look to earn their 13th win of the season at home against NOLA. So I just wanted to kind of go over the scoring results here. So Toronto had four um, tries, uh, three, uh, excuse me, one conversion out of three attempts. No kick was for the 44th minute because I believe that was this automatic seven there. The penalties, though, three for three for um, for Malcolm, who is a very good kicker, as you were, you were talking about. We saw him at Fort Quincy earlier in the season, and he's a really good player. Um, for New England, just two tries there. Uh, misconversion by Poland, but one that went through for Wilson. Uh, two pens for Poland that both went through, and a yellow card for Mills as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was a little head scratching is we immediately took out, I think at the 45th minute, um, we took out our starting props and put in our substitutes there. In addition to that, um, John Poland came out in the 51st minute and boy, he did not look happy about being substituted that early uh, in the 51st minute. I did see that from the sidelines. So, you know, the Jacks, they they rolled the dice earlier in the season with this type of stuff where they played Austin and they had a lot of um, substitute normal finishers starting and stuff like that. Um, this time around, kind of a similar situation where we're kind of we're kind of playing around with the roster on the road again, and then this time we come up short though. And I'll tell you once again, the knock-ons and stuff like that, we just did not look sharp. Um, I don't know if that's just a bad week of practice or just it's a road game. We didn't necessarily have to win this game or anything like that. Our season's not on the line. Whatever it was, they just were not sharp. They didn't have any type of killer instinct. They looked poor is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it just happens in sports. It makes you yeah. wonder. Um, I think obviously, yeah, that's why we play the game, right? Because if we just picked it on the on the rosters or on the on the record or on the previous performances. Yeah. Man, I'd, I'd be undefeated every week in my Bozo six picks, brother, but it doesn't go like that. You know, right. it's not the way it's not the way the cookie crumbles. The passes mm -hmm. don't find the hand and, you know, and then all of a sudden you start finding yourself playing from behind and then maybe a player, it gets in their head and they make a decision that they normally wouldn't make and it results in another knock on. And then mm -hmm. you just keep kind of digging yourself deeper. Um, you know, luckily, I, you know, we've been around this team. Luckily, we've had a lot mm -hmm. of chances to interact with the players. You know, like I said, I, I had mentioned this on social media. I think everybody's, um, you know, everybody's entitled to this thinker, man. And we were just, because even though we had lost a match, I think what was, it was like 1915, we lost to the weenies. Like mm -hmm. who cares, man, you, when you lose by four, that's not a real loss to me. I mean, yeah, it's a loss in your record, but it's mm -hmm. not, you can, you can hang your hat and say, Hey, we had a good performance. We just got beat. Not a big deal. Right. Um, this one, this one really did feel like a loss because yes because I feel like you, 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 it's kind of been the undertone of everything that we've been talking about this entire segment is we kind of beat ourselves mm -hmm. and Toronto yep. has been a wildly inconsistent team, you yep. know, and that's why they're on the outside looking in and they're right. probably not going to make the playoffs, but it's like, you know, when you play a team now, their whole psyche is like, right, we're going to war. Like every, every match is a playoff match. Mm -hmm. And like, man, and they just fed. And then as soon as you give them that in, they found their way in, they right. got their hook. Right. And it just keeps getting wider. The breach gets wider. The breach gets wider. And now they're through and now yeah. they're just running rampant in your lines, man. You've got your defense, you know, you're just completely disjointed chaos ensues. And, yeah. and that's the kind of performance that we saw from the guys and it, it sucks, but Hey man, at least we didn't lose 30, 
33 to eight or 33 to three or 38 <laughs> yeah, to three 33. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm uh, just going to keep throwing that out there. I at least we relent. scored a try, right? You know? Yeah, we yeah. actually got two. I mean, right? imagine scoring zero that? with three former All Blacks on the field. Ooh, wow. Tough. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Um, sorry just got to throw that shade no no it's good it it makes me feel better it makes me feel better for sure uh yeah you know it is what it is you know you know a lot of uh, credit to the guys that came over and and talked to us uh after the game uh a lot of their messages were just you know hey we're back at home you know fort quincy is a fortress we're gonna you know close out the season strong so yeah i mean i it's hard to disagree with that for sure but would have loved to have that one uh you know extending the win streak and just getting one over um, Toronto there in Toronto would have been nice. And mad respect to the Toronto Arrows. For sure. You know, like you had mentioned, nice, nice fans up there. I haven't been up there, but I, I am actually in their fan group. Okay. Um, and ni- nice people. I post there all the time and interact with them. And you know what? I haven't met any of the Toronto players, but hey, credit, credit to them, man. Yes. That, that's a well-taken and well-earned win. Yep. You came in, you stuck to your game plan, you, you managed the match. And you came out victorious. You executed your game plan. You took one off the the current best team in the league. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to be classy back. You know, if this was Hoboken, I'd be throwing my chair, you know, but (laughs) for them, they get the respect, respect Toronto. For sure. Yeah. You have to respect uh, what they, what they did to elevate themselves to beat the free Jacks as well. And, you know, uh, it was frustrating, but at the same time, good on them for, for, for doing that, um, at home. I, you know, we, we talked about last week, um, with Dave and I, I was telling him about, I'm curious about what the atmosphere would be like. And I will say this nowhere close to Fort Quincy or anything like that, but much better. Uh, cause the bottom is, you know, what I've seen is New Jersey, right? It's a Morgan there. We've talked about this over and over again. It's embarrassing. Um, you know, but Toronto, they had a couple cheers. I think, um, the first one happened in the 44, 44th minute or something like that. So uh, a let's go arrows started by the Mike man, of course. So it's a little cheap, but at the same time, much better atmosphere um, than Hoboken. So I will say that. Yeah, but they're Canadians, man. They're not Americans. They're a different culture, you know, sure. they're not like us. They don't get rowdy. Plus not only that, not only the Canadians don't need to ma- mean to make it about one's nationality. Sorry, not to say the Canadians, you know, whatever, but it's like, and they're not a Boston sports team, dude. We're just, sure. we're built different now. We're here, built different. Or yeah. down from them. Mm-hmm. We're built different here. Sorry, just it's facts. For sure. You know what I mean, all but right. I'm not sorry, really. <laughs> With that being said, let's move over to, uh, I'm going to talk about musket size pants tent real quick. I'm going to give this to yeah. Kyle Bailey. He's a 31 year old lock from Canada. He has 28 caps mm-hmm. for Canada. He also plays flanker from time to time. He has played for London, Scottish. He was on trial with Saracens, uh, 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 excuse me, Utah Aviator, which is kind of gross, but at the same time he was there. Um, uh-huh. New Orleans, uh, obviously a, a very good player for them, left them last year to join the Toronto Arrows, his home squad. I don't know what part of Canada he's from, but I guess if you're Canadian, your your home team is Toronto <laughs> right. and MLR. Uh, a very good experienced player. So, yeah, uh, I'm giving my musket size pants to him. I'll let you go first for MVP. You know, it's not really an MVP because he didn't play the whole match, but I'm going to give a shout out to our guy, Quentin Newcomer. Okay. Quiet professional. And, yep. you know, he definitely um, was fighting injuries 
Uh, mm-hmm. He finally worked his way onto the roster. He bagged himself a try. Yep. Bravo to you, man, for staying on the grind, staying after it. It's a tough rock. It's tough being on the best team in the league. You yes. could have ran away to the Dallas Jackals and been getting blown out every week. Like some right. other guys that we had, but no, you stayed put, you stuck to your guns. You knew that you're a quality player and you went out there and you performed and you got to try. So I'm going to give it to Mr. Newcomer. That's a great shout, man, for sure. I'm going to give this one because it is a very difficult selection and not in the way that there are so many players that played well type of selection. It's a different one because Mm -hmm. it's a a losing effort for the Free Jacks. A lot of folks didn't look sharp, just like the entire team pretty much. I'm going to give this one to our boy Terrell Peta, who was subbed on uh, to make his first appearance in two months after a very tragic event that took place in New Zealand that he had to go back and attend to there. So, yeah, it was great to see him go get a um, couple minutes there and and made a couple good uh, moments, and I was definitely, you know, cheering for him in the stands. So uh, very happy to have him back and playing for the Free Jacks. That was was my close second, which is wild, because whenever I listen to these episodes and I'm not on this segment and you and Dave go over it, and you almost picked the same one or you didn't yeah. pick the same one. Yeah. I was I, close I, with that one as well. I'll tell you, yeah. after the game, I, I embraced him. And, you know, I said, it's really good to see you back out there. And he said he was a bit rusty after two months, which it makes, <laughs> makes yeah, sense, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And some yeah. long plane rides, man. What is the sure. zoom? Like, I think it's about as almost as far away from us as you can get. Yeah. That's, so, that's pretty tough. Pretty tough trip. For sure. I think it's like uh, 22 hours or something like that in total travel Oof. time just to get over here. So, it's, yeah, it's insane. But um, speaking of travel and insane travel stories, I've got one for you. Hit us. Oh, boy, this is this is wild. So this just happened yesterday, guys. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. But at the same time, there's a lot that went on. So um, the Free Jacks left, I think, a day early than uh, the Caitlin and I did. We went to see the uh, Toronto Blue Jays play. The reason for that, obviously, we're, we're Boston Red Sox fans through and through. She wore her Red Sox hat, by the way, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but um, we wanted to visit uh, the uh, the Blue Jays because the affiliate of the Blue Jays, the AA affiliate, is in Manchester. It's the New Hampshire Fisher Cat. So we've seen a couple of those guys come through the ranks and are now Blue Jays right now, Bo Bissett. Uh, Kyle, uh, Kevin Biggio, and also Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Uh, play for the Toronto Blue Jays. So very cool experience, but I'll skip over that real quick uh, to our travel day back. We got uh, to the airport around 10 a.m. Our flight, I think, was at like 2.30. So it's a small plane, just like it was with the Free Jacks coming up. Um, we're everything's fine. I'm one of those people that's like probably should be taking some uh, anxiety medication for a flight because any type of bump, but I'm just like looking out the window like, What's going on here? Like I, you know, I, I've been on many, many flights and I think it's getting worse. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, not much turbulence at all whatsoever. So we're approaching um, the landing strip in Boston. There's this weird like midday fog that is just hovering over Boston, like right on the ground. So I'm like, oh, it must be low visibility for them. That kind of sucks. So we're approaching, we're probably maybe a hundred feet in the air as we're trying to land and it gets called off. Uh, The landing gets aborted. So we're immediately back up in the air and me, who's like a nervous wreck on flights, uh, I'm kind of nervous, but I look over at Caitlin, who is never nervous on flights. And she was a bit nervous. So I was a bit nervous with her result. The guy gets on the, the horn, the captain, and he's like, bad weather. Um, so we're gonna have to make another attempt. And I'm just like, the weather's not bad. Uh, is he talking about low visibility? Is that the issue here? So we, we circle back around, we make another attempt, but we don't get that close, but it, that gets aborted again. 
And we, he comes back on the horn and is like, we're going to have to refuel. We're being diverted to Providence. And I'm like, okay, we're going to run out of fuel. We're, we're, this is it. We're going to die, is my thought in my mind. Now, I was calm, but that was what was in my mind, Bozo. I was like, okay, this is oh, it. Oh, man. So we land successfully in Providence. Um, we get up to the, uh, the ter- whatever, terminal thing, whatever, um, yeah. and the gate. And um, there's, a, there's a gas truck that's right there but they never put in gas. They drive away. And I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to get off the flight now. Because at this point, I'm feeling like I'm being lied to. It's not a weather issue because it was like 75. And at that point, after that, um, the first aborted attempt to land, the fog had cleared out. Okay. So it's not a weather issue. Um, So the captain's like, by the way, captain and the other guy, navigator, whatever the hell he is, Super nice. They, by the way, I believe is what they're called. Oh, pilot. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Super nice guys. They looked super young, by the way. And I don't want to be an ageist and stuff like that, but they didn't look like they had a lot of experience just based on what age I would have guessed they were. It looked like they could use some salt and pepper, some seasoning. That's it. So they, they were super cool. Um, they let us off the flight. There was like five of us. There was only, it's a small plane, 40 people, maybe max on this flight. Five of us are like, okay, we're, we're, we're dipping out. Good luck to you folks. See you later. So we're trying to get um, out of the airport and a, um, American airlines person stops us and says, wait a minute, guys, you can't you get back on the plane um, because you haven't cleared customs. And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm not getting back on that plane. Uh, and, and Caitlin was like, his Appalachian came out, my Appalachian heritage like came out i just dug my heels and i was like no man i'm not getting back on that flight um because we had cleared customs in toronto prior to boarding so um i was trying to make that known i guess i I lost my cool a little bit so the cops get called the 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 police uh airport police gets called there's three of these guys that show up and they're like he's right me me right about they've already cleared customs they should be free to go so we wait there in the jet because i was not getting back on the plane they tried to convince us to get back on this plane and by the way we overheard that it was a mechanical issue it was something to do with the landing gear that was a problem and i also i had at this point i'd gone to the bathroom with an officer escorting me and my girlfriend had overheard that there was like a 60 percent chance successful rate if we were to go back to boston and stuff like that so just a huge mess um I think I'm done with flying for a while. Uh, I'm going to take trains now. I'm just a train person at this point. So yeah, it it was wild. So uh, from there, we had to take an Uber from the airport, which is not in Providence. It's like in Warwick. So we went to the train station in Providence. From the train station, we took a train to Boston, had to take an Uber from the train station in Boston to our uh, car, which was at the airport. And then from, you know, drove about an hour back up to Manchester. So uh, a crazy travel day and, and all... All of the while, the Free Jacks were at Fenway, just living it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can you imagine being the TSA guy? You're like, hey, man, we got this terrorist, didn't clear customs. And right. they show up and they just see your stash and your blazingly bleach blonde mullet. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like, by nah, the way, man, this guy definitely belongs here. <laughs> by the way, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no way that I was not an American. Um, yeah. The, the, the cops, super nice, super nice. nice. So, you know, I, I, I wasn't really, out of control or anything like that. I just, I was like, I'm going to stay on my ground here. I'm not getting back on that plane. You can't make me get back on the plane. I've already cleared customs, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So um, this guy, you know, he sees me, you're like, we're big dudes. Right. So yeah. when, you know, when we like raise our voice or something like that, it, you know, it, it, everything For is sure. heightened a little bit. Right. So this guy was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not dealing with this. You know, I'm going to call, <laughs> I'm going to call it the police. So yeah, yeah that's what happened. See, so. that's wild. Well, I'm glad that you made it home safe. That's what counts. 
Um, just, you know, food for thought. I don't want to discourage you from flying, but I used to be a Boston resident. I lived in East Boston for a while. Mm-hmm. My roommate worked for JetBlue. He now he was just a guy. He was studying to be a pilot, training to be a pilot. Yeah. And he was uh, tossing stuff, but he was quite young. Uh, so don't worry about that if you ever see young pilots, because uh, mm-hmm. he's now a pilot and he's pretty successful at it. And um, I will also say he had mentioned that while it's not like the most dangerous place, not even close, I don't even think it's like top 10. He did say that uh, Logan is actually a complicated airport to land at. And yeah. so like, yeah, maybe you had a younger and experienced pilot mixed in with some mechanical issues. So he bailed. So, you know, which is cool, too, because that means they took some safety and he's like, yeah. you know, I'm just going to go hop skip jump i mean how far of a flight can boston to providence be like 20 minutes or whatever no it was like yeah Yeah. i feel like it was less than that but yeah then again i was just like okay well this is the end you know (laughs) so well i'm glad it wasn't man yeah man yeah that was pretty wild um yeah i'm I'm, I'm not blaming them or anything like that it just i was like okay i'm ready to get off the flight now and i'm kind of done with this for quite a bit so yeah yeah understandable for sure yeah all right with that being said I think we've covered everything uh, for this portion of the episode. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, say one word and then we're going to exit this segment and then go into the next one in three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Huzzah Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jack's Ranger show. I'm joined with my boy, Chris Bozo Lind, filling in for Dave, who is at a wedding down South. How you doing? It's good to be here, Phil Bozo6, reporting for duty, standing by. All LFG. right. So this is the New Orleans preview. I, I think I'm officially done with the, the NOLA cutesy name that they have for themselves. It's not the NOLA Saints. It's not the NOLA Pelicans. It's the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to stick with that. At least I'm going to try to stick with that. Um, I'm retiring. I'm actually burying uh, the NOLA name and also ATL's name as well. I'm done with the the cutesy bullshit with their local, you know, this is what we call ourselves. So we're going to call it. That's going to be our official name in the league. Disagree with you on the former. Agree with you on the latter. ATL needs to go. I don't mind NOLA gold. It's not so bad. Listen, I was the same way. Um, uh, last season I, I think i specifically said that in one of the episodes like i'm okay with the nola but atl just doesn't make sense or to me at the time but now but maybe it's just because i'm pissed off that we lost to toronto i'm fucking i'm done i'm done with the nola bullshit so uh from here on out I, i'm gonna try to stay with new orleans all right all right <laughs> we'll see how that goes all right New Orleans finds himself in fifth spot in the eastern conference with 25 points i think it's 35 i might have wrote that down wrong but you know, it, it's not a lot. It's not a lot of points. Is what, what I'm going to four and ten or something like that. Exactly. They have been yeah. mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I expect. I expected this team to be towards the bottom of the table in the preseason. Four wins and ten losses with three hundred and thirty-four points. Four on the points against is four hundred and fifteen, which is a point differential of minus eighty-one. That sounds awful, but those frauds down in DC have a minus uh, one hundred and seventy-three. So that's really bad say, uh, for for 10 losses yeah. you know when you you know not to be all john madden but typically when you lose a game it means you scored less points than the other team correct. so for yes. the negative 81 <laughs> that's actually not so bad for not too bad yeah with a four and ten record man especially yeah. compared to dc um now they have got their ass kicked most recently at home against san diego to the tune of 12 to 42 a 30 
point busting there. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks back against the uh, the Gold extended their current head coach, Kane Thompson, to a two-year contract extension to the bewilderment of everyone in the league. This is a team that has nothing to play for other than pride and to play spoilers for the Free Jacks once again. Um, they were the only team that, is, that has ever beaten the Free Jacks at home, although that was at Fort Union Point, not Fort Quincy. The Jacks have come off a very poor performance up in Toronto that saw their league-breaking win streak snapped, unfortunately. The Jacks only need one point in the table to clinch first in the East and four points in the table for home field advantage through the playoffs. There's two games left, obviously, including this one. Uh, Bozo, what do you make of this New Orleans squad? Um, eh, they, they, they're scrappy. They can scrap. Yep. They've got good players on the roster. Um, they've been I, just like every team at this point, it's kind of like a pointless to say, but they've suffered from some injury woes, you know, USA mm-hmm. prop uh, Matt Harmon's been missing from the roster for quite some time. Don't know what happened to him. Hope he feels better. Uh, he's like a cool looking Nordic Viking kind of yes, dude on the intimidating figure on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and he's got a good soft skill set. So it's like for a front rower that, you know, that kind of stinks. Um, you know, they're, they're a scrappy team that, you know, I feel like they're a lot like a, a Toronto where when they show up, man, they can put some points on you. Right. And, you know, their four and 10 record. Um, I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, with the way, with the performances, I've watched quite a few of their games this season. Um, what troubles me though, is they've played us close. Yeah. Um, you know, we've put them twice already this season. We've beaten them twice. We went down. The, I think it was the first, yeah, the first match of the season. We were at patios, me and you. That's went right. To a watch party. That's yeah. right. Good times. Uh, you know, so we've beaten them home and away. Um, but both times were close. The second time in particular had me really rattled there at Fort Quincy. I did not. I was very uncomfortable during that that comeback. They they really stormed back, <laughs> stormed back into that match. I didn't uh, like that. Yes. Um, I didn't like that, but. You know, overall, I think they're they're an okay side. I mm-hmm. think that they would be a lot more successful if they were a Western team, um, yes, than they're an Eastern team. Because, like we have t- said many times on this podcast, there's no easy outs in the East. I think that's right, especially over the last two seasons. The Eastern Conference has been the stronger of the two, despite not being. Uh, no, I don't think any of the champions have ever come from the Eastern Conference. That is enough. correct. Yes, um, maybe it's because we beat the crap out of each other. So by the time we make the final, <laughs> right. we got nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I think they're, I think they're an okay side. I think it's a dangerous game. Um, I, I expect to beat them and I think we should, um, do we need to bonus point them? I don't think we do, uh, just go out there and win the game, you know, yeah. win the game. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Um, I will say that, you know, the last game that we had against this team was at home, um, at Fort Quincy. And at the beginning of that game, boy, we were all high-fiving each other. We were feeling real good because we just oh, yeah. busted their ass real uh, real quick and early there. And then Nola clawed themselves back into the game, and it made it more of a nail-biter than it probably should have been. Or I would say what we were not expecting that, I think, is probably the best way to put it, at, especially after the first, like, 20 minutes of uh, the game. So I wonder if that's going to happen this time around. Now, New England has everything to play for in this game. New Orleans, not so much. Um, you know, we really need to secure that um, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The opportunity to do that is, you know, for the next two games. However, why not just get it out of the way right now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just go ahead and, and get that monkey off of our back, that chip off our shoulder there, if you will, and go ahead and secure the win 
now at home against a rival that is the only team that has ever beaten you. And by the way, that one time that they beat us at a home field, our home field at that time being Fort Union Point, knocked us off the trajectory of the playoff path, if you will, last season. So, you know, just let's go ahead and just slit these guys' throat and let them bleed out um, and, and be done with it. It needs to be a clinical win for the Free Jacks. I don't care how they do it. Just win the game. Um, and we'll move right into our key to the game now. I will let you go first. Yeah, my key to the game is we need to um, we need a proper game management. Mm, proper okay. game management. Um, I think that they've managed the games really well. I guess what I mean to say, maybe I'm taking it back. Maybe you know we've said it before is is no no penalties, but the penalty account doesn't allow us to play the game. Like I said. Mm-hmm. You know, just from being a rugby player, you kind of try to map out the match and kind of predict to see how it's going to go. If this, then that. If this, then that. Kind of like a chess player works through his variations when he's looking at the board, right? And if we kind of get into trouble early because we made some foolish moves, like using the chess analogy again, where we're not necessarily in trouble, maybe we're equal or just a little bit worse, but we're under a lot of pressure we're not going to have a good game and it's, we're going to be sitting there uncomfortable in the seat, you know, the word, the chess player, and they're like, Ugh. yeah, right. Like, you know, where instead of, if we just play the sound moves and we, and we keep that penalty count low, I think that Nola is just as chippy of a team as we are. Mm-hmm. Right. So we kind of almost cancel each other out. So now we need to be especially disciplined. Just yes. let them come to us, let them come to us, make their mistakes. We'll kick for the sticks keep mm-hmm. it ticking over and just yep. like Toronto yep we'll cut their throw okay now we're up 14 15 points okay now we start going for the corner up oh, Mills is over for a try yeah Larson's over for a try who yep. somebody's over for a try and now that scoreboard and now we're really out in front but unlike last time we keep our foot firmly on their throat and mm-hmm. we really make sure they're dead this time like maybe just put a double tap into them just to make sure right. you know yeah and put them away. So I would just say proper game management um, is the key to the match with this one. We can't, can't get carried away trying to chase bonus points, going wild, doing crazy stuff. Can't get dragged into their chippiness. Um, Yeah. And we need a solid performance. You know, we weren't solid last week. We need to be solid this week. I agree, man. You're making some really good points there. And I have changed my key to the game a couple of times and I just changed, I just literally changed it as you were talking. And the reason, yeah. and the reason for that is, you know, my first one, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys straight up is, you know, it it came from a place of anger after we lost uh, to Toronto and played poorly. Let's just say that, you know, if if you're going to lose to a team that is equal to you and it's just by a couple points, you you pour your heart out, you do all the right things and the, the ball doesn't bounce your way. I'm good with that, man. But if you come right. out there and lay an egg and, and have a poor performance and keep knocking the ball on and keep shooting yourself in the foot, I'm, I'm just not a happy camper. You know, yeah. we have we have a lot to overall as we you know look back over the course of this season, we have a lot to be happy about as Free Jacks fans. That game in Toronto was is just not going to be one of them. So I was very angry. So my my previous key to the game for this game was just fuck them up. <laughs> so it's coming from a place yeah. of just pure frustration and anger. I'm not going to go with that one. Um, I'm going to go with double tap. As you're talking about double tap, 
And what that comes from, I think you're referencing Zombieland, uh, where you you make sure you, you've 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 definitely confirmed that you've killed the zombie, so they're not jumping back up and biting your neck. So double tap is my key to the game. And what I mean by that is, as you're talking about, you know, make sure that you're being smart with you know the points. Make sure that you have enough cushion and that you're focused throughout the game. Talking about the players, of course, to finish this game strong and make sure that we get that W because once we get that W you know we have laid out the path for ourselves to the championship game and it being hosted at fort quincy all right so i'm gonna lean yeah. in a little bit quicker here because i'm talking directly to the rangers and all the free jacks fans out there the continentals if you haven't been to a game yet make sure that you are there for this game against new orleans this weekend on sunday uh, and if you have been to the games, make sure that you're loud as hell. If you've been uh, one of the folks that have been sitting on their hands, very proper. We, we love you guys too, of course, but make sure that you're yelling and making sure that it's a very intimidating atmosphere because it is all on the line for the free jacks this time around. A win gives us home field advantage throughout the playoffs. We will have a championship game. If we make it there at Fort Quincy, how, how big will that be for the free jacks and the town of Quincy and this sports market in Boston? Because, once the Boston regular casuals out there that are, you know, happen to see something like this on Nesson or whatever, they're going to say, oh, we've got a championship game going on in Boston or in the Boston area, rather. I'm going to go to that. It's going to be a sellout, guys. So make sure that you're doing your part to, uh, to help the Free Jacks win. Yeah, I mean, I echo all of the same. It, it's hugely important um, for, the, for, for the franchise, um, for, for the sport for MLR, um, you know, for this franchise to continue to grow, which I think we have the best franchise in the league, regardless of the record on the field for this thing to continue to, sorry, my dog is oh, no worries, pal. the bike over here. Um, but for us to, to keep, to accelerate that growth, that what, what a golden opportunity, mm-hmm. just shut them down. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe I'll change my key to the game late change what we'll go with a little dmx rip shut them down open up shop oh like, let's go let's go yeah i love it so <laughs> maybe we the- could put it who knows yeah it sounds better than game management it's a lot more intimidating <laughs> yeah for sure you're right you're right i We're love working through it here rest in peace dmx um so yeah, um prediction here i will go first um i've got right. new orleans 12 new england 28 we don't need a bonus point victory but might as well just just do it anyway you know late in the game let's get a a garbage try and try to let new orleans know and all across the league that the free jacks are back baby you know that that toronto loss was just you know a random unfortunate thing that happened but the real free jacks will show up at this game yeah um i think it actually will be a little bit closer than that i think new orleans has got a lot of fight in them Mm -hmm. um I think that it might be, it will look closer to that because, uh, or close game because of, uh, you know, what is it? Your, your squeaky bum time. Yeah, I think we might give time, one of those yeah. up when the game is because I mean, let's be real as much as we want to say like, Hey, focus, close the door, ice cold, like shut them down all that other crap. I mean, if you're up a bunch of tries and it's the 80th or the 79th minute, and you know, you're going to win the game. You just secured a home field. You might let off the gas right. a little bit and let yep. one in. So I'm going to go with New England Free Jacks, 25, New Orleans Gold, 18. Okay. All right. So we're clear of them, but they get one probably in squeaky bum time. And, yeah. you know, they, they bring the score line up from 11 to 18. They get a little bonus point. Yeah. They can pat themselves on the back. They feel good. All that other crap. And, you know, and it is what it is. Love it, man. As long as the free jacks win, and that's all we need, man. We just need four points. 
Uh, and we've got home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which is super awesome and, and an exciting thing to try to achieve this weekend. Let's get it done this weekend and not have to worry about it against uh, the old blacks that'll be coming in, uh, the, the, <laughs> the New Jersey old blacks there uh, with their canes and stuff. So, yeah, uh, super excited. You know, um, make everybody make sure you're there and be loud and proud as Free Jacks fans. Let's make it super intimidating for Nola. Make sure that they never forget who the New England Free Jacks are. And yeah, we'll see you there we, at the game. Are you going to be there? Can we give a quick couple shouts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's uh, Mystic River Rugby okay. Club Appreciation Weekend. Uh, they'll be honoring the, I believe it was 2016 and 2018 national championship sides. So the goals will be out in force. So if you see a lot of, uh, it kind of looks like the Abercrombie go. Mm -hmm. Like if you see a lot of guys in those type yeah. of shirts, uh, make sure you tell them, hey, go blue. Um, I played for Mystic for one season, kind of moonlighted there and before I retired. And then also, uh, not sure what time kickoff will be, but New Hampshire Youth Rugby will be taking on Bishop Hendrickson from Rhode Island in a rubber match at Fort Quincy earlier in the day. So if you can get there, come out, support me. Bozo six and the New Hampshire youth rugby, as we look to uh, shut the door on our little mini rivalry here with Bishop Hendrick and long storied history uh, used to be New Hampshire youth rugby, a little quick thing used to be uh, mostly the Amiskeg banner, uh, but we merged with another club and rebranded, but a uh, long, long history of playing uh, Bishop Hendrick. And so, yeah, uh, sorry. We, I think we, the, the Myro teams were eliminated because the Rhode Island team and a New Hampshire team beat them up. So, but we don't play the MIAA teams like St. John's Prep or BC High because they probably stomp us. So, gotcha. yeah, if you can get out there for the match, that'd be great. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to Buzz, who is one of the founders of Mystic River. Super nice guy, big fan of the show. And I also, because you're bringing it up here, my club team, the Charlotte Old Originals guys, just won the Division II National Championship for USA Rugby. Super proud of those boys. Um, my first ever and really only ever men's club team uh, played in, obviously, collegiate rugby as well. But uh, that, they're my only club team that I ever played for. So good on That's them. That's awesome. Yeah. And don't forget to get your storm along unfiltered. Oh, please, $5. Me? Yeah, five dollars. This is the red skies at night. So, so I'll just say this: if you enjoyed the unfiltered um, at the games, go ahead and buy yourself a four pack of red skies at night. Love this one, or mass appeal. You'll love that one too. For Listen, sure. you're supporting local business when you do that. Uh, and this is a really small business, guys. I have intimate knowledge. I am a, full disclosure. I am a storm along employee when I'm not working full time with the army. I think we have like. I want to say off the top, I could be wrong, plus or minus one here. I think there are six employees, six or seven in, in production that, that, that bring this from, you know, the apple that gets pressed yeah. to, into your can. It's six people, man. Uh, there's, an, there's an owner and there's an HR staff and all that other stuff. But, like, it's six guys working real hard to bring that to you. So support the boys. Storm Absolutely. Right along. Respect the Apple guys. And with that, yeah, I've yeah. got our slogan that we say on this show in three, two, one. Huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Woo. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined as always with David McVeigh. We have a very special guest this time around. We've got Terrell Peta is with us. Terrell, how are you, my friend? Oh, all is well, man. It's awesome to be back. Um, get a bit of normality back in my life. So. No, it's, um, I've been here for a couple of weeks now, so I'm enjoying it, having a good time and in a good headspace at the moment. 
Very good. Uh, would you, as the Rangers, we just want to go ahead and wish you all of our condolences uh, for what no. took place down there in New Zealand. I'm sure it's very mm. difficult for you. I can't imagine, but uh, we're here for you, man, for sure. No, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate all the condolences and all the love. Very good. Um, let's talk about where you're from. Let, let's get into that first. Awesome. So um, I'm from New Zealand, um, but I'm currently living in Auckland. Auckland's probably one of the biggest cities in New Zealand, but I grew up in a small little rural area called Pangaru. It's like, um, it's probably about, I don't know, like 50 to 100 people living there. Okay. Uh, it's mainly farmland and um, bush area. So um, I grew up around the bush, around the farmland with um, all my family, mm-hmm. uh, all my cousins still live up there, all my aunties and uncles. Uh, it's about a four hour drive, four hour trip from Auckland. Okay. So um, I, try, I try and go back as much as I can when I have no rugby just to go see my family or my cousins and stuff. So, um, yeah, I grew up um, in the bloody bush, man, all the way in the bush. Yeah. Very good. So, no, that's um, yeah, a little town called Pangri. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, obviously, in New Zealand, it's a huge rugby culture there. It's, it's the biggest thing happening there in New Zealand. Um, when did you first start thinking that you wanted to be a professional rugby player? When, when did that take place? Um, well, I think growing up in New Zealand, you know, rugby's you know, it's, it's in our blood, eh? Like you just grow up playing playing it at such a young age. But um, my my dad was pretty, you know, he's pretty hard on me in terms of like training and um playing rugby and stuff. So um, I thought you know I'm not gonna let all this bloody training go to waste. Um, right. Gotta gotta make use of it somehow. Eh? So probably around when I was probably about like 11, 11, 12, I thought, oh, this will be a a great pathway, you know, just um, yeah. to put myself on a map, not only myself, you know, all my family, friends, you know, I love representing where I'm from. So um, that's probably around this, the age, 11, 12. And I thought about uh, taking it seriously. Um, yeah. Got it. You know, talking about that pathway, you were part of the uh, Maori All Blacks. Uh, what was your favorite memory putting on that jersey and playing for them? Oh, mate, uh, the Maori All Blacks is, uh, holds a special place in my heart, you know. Um, not many can say they've played for their, you know, played for their con- culture, let alone their country. So um, playing for the Māori All Blacks, you know, it's just all uh, the culture. Uh, you know, we do a lot of stuff that relates to just Māori people. You know, um, you know, we wake up probably like five o'clock in the morning. You, know, you pray. You do a lot of Māori uh, stuff. Māori used to do in a, in a day. I don't know if you know what a. Do you know what a taiha is? It's a Māori weapon. Um, it's a weapon. Oh, yes. Use, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You used to use it back in the day for battle and for war and stuff. So, uh-huh. you know, you do a lot of stuff off there. You do a lot of training, like um, just how how um, our people used to live back in the day. You know, you're just pretty much uh, embracing all of that, um, all the culture stuff. You know, you meet a lot of Maldives from all over the New Zealand, uh, okay. different types of people. But, um, no, it means a lot to me. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun representing my culture, representing my family, representing where I'm from. Um, it was awesome. It was just awesome being in that type of environment. Eh? Yeah. Love it. Mm. Very good. Um, you know, obviously you, you've traveled all the way across the world to play for the New England Free Jacks. What has been yeah. your biggest lesson that you've learned since playing for the Free Jacks? Um, probably pack some more warm clothes. <laughs> <laughs> nah. oh, man, I, got a, I got a big shock when I oh. showed up there, jumped off the plane and I yeah. was in my shirts and shorts and right. oh, I just felt that, that gust of wind. I was like, do I, do I really want to be here? <laughs> but, yeah. I, 
No, mate. Uh, it's awesome. I've had probably one of my funnest times playing here for the New England Prejects. You know, the, although rugby is not that big in America, Boston's such a, you know, they're like a hard city. They love their sports. They, yes. they get behind their team no matter what. Right. Even if they don't know what rugby is, man, they just, you know, they're still out there in full force supporting us. So um, all, the, all the support's amazing. Um, probably my best, uh, best memory so far is just, um, you know, Especially for me, coming from where I'm from, you know, I'm from a, like I said, I'm from the bush. Coming all the way over to America, um, that's probably been the highlight of my career. Like growing up, you only see the stuff on TV, like uh, traveling to Washington, traveling to bloody Los Angeles. Like I only right. seen that stuff on television growing up, man. So um, you know, just the experience traveling around, um, getting to meet new people of different cultures from all over the world, mm-hmm. and that's probably been the highlight. Eh? And um. Meeting Mike Scott, they've been awesome, awesome coaches. They, yeah, um, their teacher taught me a lot of new stuff. So, um, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I'm having a great time here. Very good. Uh, I know that you mentioned that you live in Auckland when you're not here with the Free Jacks, um, and it was announced that you'll be playing for Auckland in the NPC in the coming season. What were your emotions like when you got the call about being signed to the roster, and what does that mean for you to play for Auckland? Oh, it's awesome, man. Um, it's a it's a real big opportunity for me because um, I've been with Auckland for the last couple of years, but um, you know I've been in and out for my first year, and then uh, last year the season got cancelled because of COVID. Right. So um, this will probably, hopefully, this will be my first full year back with Auckland. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's just um, being able to represent where you live, uh, represent the city of Auckland. Yeah. You know, it's just such an awesome feeling, eh? So. Um, yeah, man. Just words can't explain. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a lucky position right now. Not many people can say they can play for six months in America, then go back to New Zealand and pay right. for, play for the rest of the season. Yes, and then do that bounce back and forth. So, um, I'm real grateful for the position I'm in right now. Absolutely. Um, You're one of the guys on the team that really, uh, I think, appreciates what we do. And you're always chatting us up on Instagram and stuff like that. We we will talk to you back and forth. So we would just really appreciate you, how awesome you are and friendly um, you've been with us. So we appreciate that. I did want to ask, what do the people in New Zealand make of MLR? Like, is it growing in popularity down there? I mean, obviously, there's some players from New Zealand that have made their way over to the United States, like yourself, that are playing there. So is it kind of growing in popularity? Yeah, so when I first came over, when I first told my family, oh, I've just took and taken up a contract to go play in America, they didn't really take it serious, you know, because, like, um, they're like, wait, you're playing rugby in America? It's like, yeah, it's in a, it's in a professional league, like an actual league, and they're like, oh, we have to work and stuff? I'm like, no, it's a professional league. Like, everything's full-time. Uh, and they're like, they have that in America? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a new thing. It's only been around for, well, four, three, four years, though. But, yes. um, it's growing definitely. I got a lot of friends back home. You know, they see all my posts about being in New York, Los Angeles, and straight away they're just like, man, that looks like an awesome buzz. It's, it's right. awesome. You, know? you, get, you get to travel the world for free. Um, you get to play the sport you love, you know, you yeah. get to see all these special sites you never see only on TV. So um, mm-hmm. uh, my family definitely have grown a lot of respect for the league over here. Uh, my friends have definitely taken notice of the league over here. So I personally, within my circle, I feel like it's, um, you know, grown, grown quite a bit in popularity wise. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like it is growing um, leaps and bounds every single year with the international attention that it's getting because, you know, the Rugby Network, all you have to do is sign up and it's free and people can watch it all over the world. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, what has been your favorite moment overall as a free jack? Mm, my favorite moment. 
Oh, probably um, our first home opener against Toronto. Yeah. Um, bloody playing that snow was horrendous. Eh? It was horrible <laughs> playing in the snow. Like we ran out at halftime and the whole field was white. Like I t- my family were cracking up at me because we all had our hands down our they all had our yep. hands down our pants. Just walking around. It was literally on live TV and you have your hands down your pants yes, trying to keep yeah. away from the cold. But um, that was an awesome moment. Like although it was bloody freezing at the time, I was bloody. You know, I was regretting playing. I was like, "Why do I even play rugby, man?" Thinking about <laughs> right, <laughs> retirement starts looking really sweet yeah. around right. 10, 15 minutes in. You know, sure. I could just yeah, walk yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, but um, that's probably been the highlight of my career playing in the snow. Um, especially at the home opener was awesome, getting to see the crowd and stuff, yes. and how bloody, how bloody, how awesome everyone is, man. Like that was probably the highlight of my of my career so far. Oh, my um, time at New England so far. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has the best hair on the team? Oh, eagle, definitely yeah, eagle, man. Yeah, those bloody beautiful, luscious locks. The, yes. the bloody chopper beard coming on down there, man. No, he's yeah, he's got the best hairdo. Um, yeah, just just bloody eagle, I reckon. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, I think there's some contenders yeah. that, you know, that have a close second place, but it's eagle all the way, I think, for the gold medal yeah, on yeah. that. Oh, easy, uh, easy. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dave, I'll let you take over, my friend. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, So you had a fantastic start through the youth system in New Zealand. um, Mm. And uh, you played at Mount Albert Grammar School. You talked about making a decision around 11 or 12 to, you know, really um, take it seriously. And it looks like uh, from your resume that that it was effective. Auckland, U17 and U19. Blues under 20s, New Zealand 20s, and then, as you already talked about, the Maori All Blacks. Yeah. Uh, um, what was the travel? like? That seems like a very busy youth rugby, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, experience set. Was there a yeah. lot of travel? You mentioned growing up, you know, a four-hour drive from Auckland. Yeah. Um, so I think in the u.s we're actually more used to traveling a lot than a lot yeah, of places because yeah, yeah. the size of the country but it sounds yeah. like you maybe were a little bit of an outlier did you do a lot of travel yeah. for all that rugby um so when i was around 13 i actually left where i was living up north uh, the top of new zealand and uh, that little rural area i was talking about Pangaroo. um i went to mount abergram and i was boarding school i was at boarding school for five uh-huh. years yeah so um that's how i was able to uh, boarding my boarding school was actually based in auckland um played first 15 there and stuff so it wasn't much travel at the time. It was pretty local. Auckland, you can get around. It's probably like 30, 30 minutes the longest drive. But um, uh, traveling around to like all those rep trainings and stuff, yeah, you got to get a flight every now and then. But um, nah, not much traveling. Yeah, not much, man. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, have you, as you came up through that system, um, have you always been a number eight? or a general back row player. And for yep. some of the American fans who might be a little bit newer, can you talk about what makes a number eight different than, you know, open side or blind side flanker? Um, yeah, so growing up, I always played in the loose forwards. Um, I was either a six or eight. So um, I played that throughout my whole career pretty much. Um, but the, the difference between a six and an eight, um, eight's pretty much the guy at the back of the scrum. <laughs> six is on the side of the scrum, but um. They're not too much different in similarity, to be honest, but um, Six is pretty much like, he's an enforcer, so he's the guy who inflicts pain on his opponent, opponents, pretty much, if you know what I mean. He's the guy who makes all the big tackles, all yeah. the bloody big big runs, big cleanouts, and you know, 
these days number eights are the bloody they're the pretty boys of the of the forwards they <laughs> they do the fancy offloads they do the you know strip the ball in the play and stuff all the jackals so um it's yeah every 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 loose hold is different i think like you can get teams with bloody six seven and eights you know who, who you just want hard workers you know workers yeah. guys who are just all over the field um and then you get some teams who have a six and a seven who are the hard workers the enforcers and then you have the eight who's the pretty boy who can do all the cool stuff all the kicking all the bloody offloads all that stuff. so it just really depends what the coach wants to be honest excellent thank you that's a great answer um have you been able are you able to watch much super rugby from the u.s and if so do you have any favorite players at the moment um yeah i have watched a few games actually um i actually got a lot of friends playing super rugby um a, a couple of my friends playing in the blues um i got Corey evans who's just uh, made his debut this year so uh, two two or three games and he's playing really well i think he's still 20 21 actually so um, he's got a long career ahead of him. Uh, uh, Zan Sullivan. I don't know if you've heard of Zan Sullivan. Um, he's a he's a fullback for Blues. Uh, he's a really awesome okay. friend of mine. Yeah, he's an awesome friend of mine, and he's a really awesome player. So um, those are probably my uh, two boys I look out for. And I also got another mate. He's a hooker. His name's Swani. He's a Fijian hooker. He's actually second string hooker. So usually he's on the bench most of the time. But um, he, he's he's a bloody hard nut man. That guy will tackle anything, <laughs> run into anything. He's just not scared of anything. Else. But um, just mainly those three boys. Mainly, I support them mainly because they're in my friend circle, you know, and we're yeah. real close. So I have a lot of respect and I support them in everything that they do pretty much. That's great. Um, mm. It's awesome to have those connections and yeah. uh, watch those games, you know, with even more writing than uh, your average fan uh, mm. and, and player. Uh, seeing the, Hoping to see your friends do well is always something yeah. that's going to, you know, kind of make your weekend a little bit better. Yeah, um, You have and the many teams that you were on you've been a captain several times at mount albert um mm-hmm. vice captain uh, on the maori uh shows that you are a player who's you know uh done a lot of leadership yeah. that you've succeeded in that um in a country like new zealand where rugby is really important culturally yeah d- was that a lot of pressure on you as a young player and how did you adapt to that um uh like at, at first I, I thought it was a lot of pressure but um when i first started mount albert that's pretty much when you know i started to grow into that role um i had a coach named jeff moon um who's actually passed on uh, he was really close to me and um he told me a lot of things around leadership and um how to manage your team and whatnot but um i, I was a real quiet boy growing up like i didn't say much um usually i just probably uh, most of the time i just leave with my actions so um i think he saw definitely saw something in that uh, me leading with my actions and he actually bought uh he actually was able to bring the words out of me if you know what i mean like to become yeah. a leader so um uh yeah at first I, I would say there was a bit of pressure but um eventually you grow into it and that's what makes you a leader i guess just growing into it you know accepting the role walking towards all that pressure and all that um all of that you know so um yeah excellent um, well, it certainly shows I, I, have enjoyed watching you play this season as, uh, you know, you struck me as a guy who really just puts his head down and does the work, you know, when you're out there, which is really, uh, was fun to see. And I think helped create a lot of the success early in the season that the, the team is still riding on. Um, <clears throat> you've talked in interviews, including tonight already about how much the opportunity just to travel and see the United States was part of your decision to come play in major league rugby. 
Um, do you think that's a big draw, generally speaking, for international players uh, to the MR uh, to MLR to want, just want to come and see the country and um, anywhere that you've really enjoyed so far or that you're really looking forward to uh, visiting in the U.S.? Yeah, that was one of my um, main decisions to come over, um, just, you know, to see the world. And uh, also for the experience, you know, um, over the couple of years, I haven't had much rugby with COVID and injuries and stuff. So um, being able to play some some rugby, some good rugby at a good level, you know, that really, um, that was probably one of my other big decisions to come over, decisions to come over and, you know, uh, get some games under my belt, uh, get my fitness back and stuff, get my confidence back. Um, but in terms of like, um, yeah, what you said, man, like, I think, that's gonna attract a lot of people. You know who? A lot of people like Americans, man. Like you see them on TV. Like most of the stuff you watch today, America, America, America. Like it's just in your social media, on your TV, everywhere you go. So um, it's just the vibe, the you know the the sightseeing, all of that. That'll attract a lot of people eventually. Like you got guys like Bloody Maunu playing Nehemiah uh, Scudder, Waisaki Nahole just come over signed off New York. So. Um, that's awesome for them. It's awesome for the league as well. You know, it's going to build an awesome reputation and it's just going to go uphill from here. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a really powerful draw. Um, I think it's something that Americans kind of can take for granted a little bit and and just not really think about, you know, occur that, uh, you know, for many players, just the opportunity to come live in the U.S. for a few years and see, you know, so many different cities and things uh, can be a big part of the attraction. Um, while you're here, would you be interested um, in connecting with any American indigenous culture like the Wampanoag village down at Plymouth Patuxet that's not too far from where the Free Jacks um, train? Or and there's another, there's a really great uh, like world-class museum down in Southeast Connecticut as well, the Mashantucket uh, Pequot Reservation. Is that something that interests you at all? It didn't cross my mind, but since you bring it up, man, I'd love to do that, man. That'd be awesome. I'd like to... Um teach them a bit of my culture and then teach me a bit of their culture you know, it's the better for both of us the more we can teach each other about our culture you know the more we can get out throughout the world so um yeah thanks for the idea that'd be awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah no problem um great well I'm, i've only got a couple questions left first one's um uh still about rugby kind of fun and then a, a real fun one to close this out um oh, one good, phil, phil knows well uh rest and recovery a big part of a 16 match season um, yeah. to make sure you're healthy, ready to hit the pitch every week. Um, when you've, you know, when you've had like a full 60, 80 minute shift, yeah. what does your next day, your day off look like for you personally? Like, how do you unwind and refuel um, before training is going to start back up for that week? Oh, I'm not special, man. I just literally go out and get eat bloody takeaways and uh, get 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 whatever I can put down my bloody throat. And um, I just sleep all day, watch movies. That's my recovery. <laughs> man. I, I'm I'm pretty useless with my recovery at the moment. So um, mine's just eat and sleep, man. Eat That's good. Sleep. You're making yeah. a lot of club rugby players feel really good about themselves with that answer. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, a, yeah. that's uh, all I anybody be, I knew. Yeah, I might be lucky at the moment, but maybe in about five years' time, man, I might catch up to me. So I better start taking seriously. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, excellent. So last question. You're hosting a big house party for the Free Jacks yeah. team. You know, everybody's coming. You've got to pick, pick a few people from the team, from the office to fill out some jobs, help you throw this party. Who are you putting on the grill? Who's in charge of the food? Who's going to be on the bar making the drinks in charge of all that? Who's your DJ who's running all the music? 
And who's your guy at the door who's going to take care of any, you know, disruptions, any problem guests who show up? Oh, guy on the grill. Who's a good guy on the grill? Uh, Joe, uh, oh, actually, uh, Foster. Foster do it. Ah. He's downstairs, man. That guy's been, he just got on my barbecue last week, actually, and he's been bloody having barbecue every night. So I'll chuck him on the grill. He, he doesn't disappoint, man. He's been making some good, good grub up downstairs. Make a couple of steaks, a few skewers, sausages. So I'll chuck Fozzie on the on the barbecue. Um, what was the other one? Uh, uh, bar, the DJ, bar. and your security guy. On the bar. Man, I can't can't think of anyone because all these boys in our team are alcoholics. Man, they'll end up drinking behind the bar. <laughs> no one you can trust <laughs> uh, back there. No one I can trust back there. Hold up, let me. Uh, I'll come to that one last day. And that's like, fair. That's fair. Who would I have on the door? There's someone big and oh, Vian Conradi, man. I'll check him on the door. No one's, no one's going to fight that guy. That's absolutely oh, yeah. true. Him, yep. him and Millennium. Him and Millennium. Yeah, Millennium. Oh, yeah. all right. I, I, I think that's our first Millennium uh, answer on that question yeah. for anybody. That's great. Yeah, he's the, he's the mini Hulk, man. He's he's quiet, but he's dangerous. I know that for sure. He's quiet. Yeah, the- the Taranaki tank, as yeah, uh, a friend of the tank, show, Dallin yeah. Stanford likes to call it. That's, what, that's maybe my favorite Dallin Stanford yeah. nickname, I think. It's, it's a, a really good one. Good one. Yeah. Um, and who's the music guy? The music who's, guy. Who's got the best taste in music? Oh, Jesse. Jesse Pariti. I'll chuck him on the music, man. He's, he's got his own DJ set and stuff. He plays some good house music, some good... Good tunes and I pick up the vibe, so I'll chuck Jesse Pareti on the on the music. I'm just trying to think of who can work behind a bar, man. Like <laughs> it's a hard one. You're asking. It's a toughie. Yeah, it's, it's a, a toughie. Hey, maybe you just go. You know, you just cooler yeah. full of beers, and that's it. Nobody's. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll chuck. I'll chuck Cam. Cam DeVito works behind ah, the bar. Okay. He's a great guy. Yeah, I'll chuck him out. He's got good yarns. He's got good chat. Um, he's he's kind and he'll uh, he'll give you a double shot as well. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really filling in for the you know the community pub bartender yeah. there. You he's, know he's, he'll, he's, he'll he's, chat up everybody yeah. on their way up. He's the he's the Boston local as well, so yes. he'll know how these people go. <laughs> love it. Well, thank you. That's it for me. I know Phil has a few more things. Yeah. All good. All good. Thanks for that, bro. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Terrell, for all of our internationals that we have on the show, we like to do one thing. Uh, can you mimic uh, a Boston or just American in general accent for us real quick? Uh, hey, can I get a cup of coffee, please? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. good. It's pretty good. We've heard worse on this show. I'll tell you that Definitely. right now. For sure. For sure. All right. Hey, That's how we do it, hey? something along the lines of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah uh so the last thing that we've got for you here is the uh one word association and this one's going to be sponsored by storm along american hard cider mm-hmm. um so i'm going to say one word or two words and the first thing that pops in your mind one word just throw it at me okay yeah new zealand Oblex. boston secret board <laughs> auckland Home. Mike Rogers. Go. Jesse Peretti. Pissed. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Jax Rangers. Awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We got awesome. one word to get out of here, and I think you know what it is in three, two, 
one huzzah. Huzzah. huzzah Woo! all right rangers tell us how we did send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com interact with us on social media we're on twitter facebook and instagram make sure you're liking our graphics that we put out throughout the week Give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And also check us out on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe over there. We would greatly appreciate it. Jacks are heading into a two-game homestand to finish out the regular season. Hope to see all of you there at Fort Quincy over the next two weekends. Make sure that you're loud and proud. Yeah, super excited for the next two home games. Should be a good time. Uh, Cannot wait to face off against New Orleans this coming weekend. But before we get out of here, I did want to close up shop with Day in American Revolutionary War history at Sag Harbor, New York. Connecticut Raiders and local men under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Meigs captured several British vessels and burned redcoat supplies. This is the only successful Patriot attack on Long Island between the British takeover in 1776 and their departure in 1783. And the Revolutionary War, quote, there is nothing I have more at heart than the ease and security of every part of the country and its inhabitants. That was George Washington in a letter to Connecticut Governor Jonathan Trumbull on December the 19th, 1778. Appreciate you riding with us, Rangers, and we'll see you this weekend. With that being said, saddle up, let's ride, beat New Orleans, go free jacks, huzzah, baby. Woo!